At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare what's up this your boy little duval and check out my podcast conversations with unk on the black effect podcast network each and every tuesday conversations with unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness unlike my work on stage i tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh every tuesday listen to conversation with unk hosted by Lil duval on the black effect podcast network iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Uh. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Monday morning, March 14th, 2022. The Beating the Book podcast. Skill Alexander. It is our March Madness Extravaganza Bracketology. Uh, we do this every year in some form right as the selections come out for Selection Sunday next morning. Happy to have on the show today from VEASAN, the glue that holds it all together. He hosts a uh, golf podcast with Brady Cannon called Long Shots, but is an expert in multiple sports, including the sport of college basketball. Kind enough to join us this morning at the D. Wes Reynolds, how you doing, Wes? Good to be here, Gil. Thank you for having me, sir. Thanks, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. And Jeff Parlay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as Jeff Parles, he hosts Bet Center on VEASAN, but he's also uh, my producer, producer number five and eight. On a numbers game, Jeff Parlay. Jeffrey, thanks for being here too, man. Oh, how can I say no to this? It's we, we talked about it earlier in the day on a numbers game. Yes. This is the best and most fun week of the entire year here in 100%. town. 100%. And it's not even close. So this is a hell, of a, a hell of a way to start the week off. You said it best this morning. The Super Bowl, it's two weeks talking about one game. You get kind of exhausted. Yeah. This is, oh my God, I cannot wait for this to happen on Thursday morning. Obviously, there's first four in-games as well. Let me just start. We'll get to everything. We'll do macro stuff. Uh, these guys, these gentlemen's Elite Eight picks for brackets. So there'll be stuff for, for people who are just filling out brackets. We'll talk We'll talk through that prism. We'll talk about ATS for round six, uh, 64 as well. We'll go through all of it rapid fire. If there's no bets, we'll just move on to another game. Uh, but just from a macro perspective, guys, one, uh, Wes, did you think that the committee, did you think there was anything really to quibble about? Your Hoosiers did end up in a play-in game, or the first four, and let me be clear as to how mm. you're supposed to say that now. I let out an audible gasp when I saw that, and then and then Texas A&M being out kind of bothered me a little bit. But other than that, was there anything? 
A&M was probably the only team I felt that you could make a case for because, look, if you look at how the committee did this in terms of, you know, what they weighed and what they didn't weigh, and that's really the big problem is that it changes year by year because I watched the women's tournament show following this, and it's like they really weighed the conference tournaments. Yes. Big time, and you could tell it by the seedings. I mean, Baylor got a two-seed in the women's draw, and Louisville got the one because Baylor lost their conference tournament in the Big 12, so – it didn't really matter the conference tournament stuff. That so was it's the like other thing, it's yes. like it's like it's all about the money, which we know that that's what it's about anyway. But nevertheless, the SEC tournament didn't even need to be played. No, it, yeah. it, it didn't matter at all. And I mean, Indiana with two nice wins in the Big Ten tournament that didn't matter. I thought maybe okay, once they beat Illinois on Friday, that got them out of Dayton, but it did not. Now, generally, I think that the committee got the sixty-eight right. Yeah. I don't have a lot of quibbles with the teams in the field. I have quibbles with certain seedings. Like, Iowa goes into the Big Ten tournament essentially a five seed. They win the Big Ten tournament, and then they don't move. They're a five like seed. You, like you didn't reward them at all. That's right. Boise State wins the regular season and the conference tournament championship for the Mountain West right out here at the Thomas and Mack in Las Vegas. And they're an eight, and Colorado State is a six. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand that. I know you're trying to take the macro version and look at the whole body of work, but it just didn't make sense to me in a lot of seating. Um, Joe Lunardi getting 67 of 68. Only one he didn't get was A&M. Had Wyoming as the first team out. He had, he had A&M in for what it's worth. Um, toughest, e toughest and easiest bracket, Jeff. I was saying uh, the CBS selection show, the ESPN Bracketology show yesterday, I don't think they asked the basic question of what was the <laughs> toughest or the easiest bracket yesterday. It was a really weird omission. We had some disagreement on a numbers game this morning with Matt Cox, a three-man weave. What do you think is the hardest? What do you think is the easiest? I'll take the uh, easiest first. The yeah. easiest is the Midwest for Kansas to get through because even though Iowa is, turned into, is going to be the sexy pick, heck, Dick Vitale has him in the national championship right. game. They feel right. way too sexy. Against, yeah. against Kentucky. But yeah. here's the thing. Even though I haven't loved that Richmond team all year, they have veteran guards. They have a good coach. Like, Iowa losing in round one is not impossible. And if that were to happen, Kansas's draw to the Elite Eight is really, really easy. They get a weaker 8-9. They get If they got Providence, I know everyone has hated Providence all year. Kansas would would handle Providence. And then all of a sudden, they're in the Elite Eight, either beating Auburn, who's not that not a, nowhere near as good away from home as they are at home, or Wisconsin or LSU, who LSU with no coach. Wisconsin, the weakest three-seed, even though the committee – Seated them as the best three seed. That's the easiest one. And then the hardest, we talked about this this morning, and we got three different answers yeah, across the board. I think top to bottom, the East, even with the weakest one, is the hardest region because the best two seed is there to me. The best four seed is there. You could argue the best six is there with Texas. The best seven is there with Murray. Uh, St. Mary's is really good as a five seed. That is a loaded, loaded region. I didn't even mention Purdue, who is as good as good as anyone offensively so to me the east is the most difficult region to get through and is also the most difficult reason region to handicap in this entire field yeah i think south which is let's just be clear south is arizona's region if you will just to name the number one seed and the uh the midwest is kansas's region one of those two to me is the easiest mm -hmm. east versus Midwest, East versus West, one of those is the two hardest. Would you agree well, with that? Absolutely. You look at the Midwest too, uh, with uh, Providence and Wisconsin. Those are the four and the three seeds, respectively. 
uh, Wisconsin, and I don't want to necessarily take Ken Palm, even though we all use it as a tool. I don't want to use it totally as gospel here, but Wisconsin is 20 points lower in the Ken Palm than any other three seed in this tournament. Providence is 29 spots lower than any four seed in this tournament. Both of these teams have had their fair share of quote-unquote luck, where they've won all these close games, and there's a variance that usually, you know, can it last throughout an entire NCAA tournament? I'm not sure that it can, so I think Kansas got a pretty solid draw. I know Iowa is going to be trendy, but you talk about being the sexy pick, and these people have them in their Final Four National Championship game. They've had incremental improvements on defense, but Iowa, still not a great defensive team. If you can get to the rim on Iowa, you'll get anything you want if you've watched this team pretty much all year. So I think Kansas got the uh, easiest region. And if you look, there's some pitfalls for Gonzaga if you want to see, especially in the second round if they yeah. end up getting Memphis. Because there aren't five teams in the country that are going to out-athlete Memphis. Now, Memphis is going to turn the ball over. They're going to make mistakes. They're kind of an erratic team, but that's still a team with the athletes that could pull an upset. And then you look, Arkansas, very athletic team. UConn, a very physical team at that top end. And then you go to the bottom, and I know Duke is kind of seeded as the weakest two seed, but Duke did beat Gonzaga mm -hmm. right out here in Las Vegas earlier this year. Texas Tech is obviously a meat grinder team, no middle defense. So there are some pitfalls for Gonzaga, I think. The one other thing, too, in that West region uh, that, that, that we didn't mention, too, and Ed Fang brought them up this morning on a numbers game, Alabama, who is the sixth seed in the West region, in Seattle earlier this year, mm -hmm. they handled Gonzaga. They, yeah. That game was never in doubt. They won that game. Uh, pretty easily. They're a in boomer Seattle. bust. They're a boomer right. bust team. They're they, going out first round, or they're going to like to the final four. Exactly. I, if Rutgers, assuming Rutgers handles their business against Notre Dame, I would, I actually would bet Rutgers outright against Alabama in that round of 64. But West is 100% right. If Alabama's hitting their threes, then all of a sudden you get a region where, yeah, Memphis beats Boise State. A really talented nine seed. Again, I think Gonzaga would handle their business because of a massive coaching advantage. But the 4-5 game, again, Greg Peterson this morning on a numbers game said, oh, I have UConn beating beating uh, yeah. Gonzaga in, in a Sweet 16. Yeah. Both of those teams, Arkansas and UConn, are capable of playing with Gonzaga. I just think, again, that's, uh, as I told, I told you off the air, Gil, I think that is the idiot bowl between UConn and Arkansas this year, just the way those teams play. Uh, and I again, that's a real. Wes is right though. That that West region, if it draws wrong, Gonzaga could play three straight really difficult games in order to get to New Orleans. I would love to see Memphis take them down. Would just absolutely love that. Uh, Gonzaga trying to uh, be the first AP number one just before the tournament uh, to win the NCAA since 2012 when Kentucky did so. Uh, that is all of ten years ago. Um, Okay, by the way, since you bring up Ken Palm uh, West, top the, the top Ken Palm ranked teams that missed the tournament, mm -hmm. number 30, Oklahoma, number 37, Wake Forest, number 39, Oklahoma State, which is ineligible. Uh, number 43 was Texas A&M, 44th in Ken Palm, Utah State, 45th, Mississippi State, and 50th, North Texas. Those are the highest Ken Palm teams that missed. Conferences, Big Ten had the most with nine, Big East and Big 12 and SEC, uh, second with six. Um, okay, let's do the championship formula real quick because for those who are, have listened to this podcast for years, uh, we want to get that out of the way. So tried and true, six criteria for this as we head into the big dance. We do this on the numbers game uh, every Monday updating it, but we'll do it here on the podcast, which is 
there are six criteria that have marked uh, that have been characteristics of the of the last team to win the championship over the better part of two or three decades. Of these six criteria, two of them, 100% of the time it's happened, of the other four, every time except once. So let me just give an example. Last 33 champs, these are the, these are the criteria, the last 33 champs had more assists than turnovers. Okay, that makes sense. 27 of the last 28 champs had a head coach with Sweet 16 experience. The only exception, the 2014 Yukon Huskies, yep. led by Kevin Ollie. That was the Shabazz Napier-led version of the Huskies. 27 of the last 28 champs went to the tournament with at least three wins versus teams in the top 10% of RPI. We use RPI because we've been doing this formula for so many years. The last exception, the only exception, the 2014 Yukon Huskies, once again. The last 28 champs had a top 75 strength of schedule through the prism of BPI. Think about that for a second. File that away. 17 of the last 18 champs were in the top 20 in adjusted offensive efficiency at Ken Palm. Only the 2014 UConn Huskies were the exception. What an outlier that team was. And 17 of the last 18 champs were in the top 20 in adjusted defensive efficiency at Ken Palm. The only exception, last year's Baylor Bears. And so the one caveat of all this is you have six games to win the title from this point forward, assuming you're not a first four-in team. You can still play your way into the top 20 of Ken Palm, both offensive and defensive, and strength of schedule. So there's still a chance. So in the end, as we do this now, before the tournament starts, before the, before the first four-in games, there are two teams that qualify, and there are two teams that are banging on the door. The two teams that are knocking at the door right now, this is to win it all, if you're filling out your brackets. Auburn, which qualifies in every category except their 24th in Ken Palm's adjusted offensive efficiency. Gonzaga, the number one overall seed, qualifies in every category except for the fact that they're 78th in strength of schedule, not, not in the top 75. Though you would assume that both of those two teams can play their way into both categories if they continue to play basketball. Gonzaga won't be able to in their first game but they certainly will by, and certainly the first weekend, but they, they will be up by the second weekend, one would assume. The only teams that qualify, Wes, currently, do you know what they are? Uh, I am going to guess. Let me throw uh, your mic back up towards your mouth because we're here. Okay, you. I'm, you I'm sorry. There you go. Uh, I'm going to guess uh, Baylor qualifies. Correct. And Arizona qualifies. Arizona doesn't have the Sweet 16 coach. Oh, okay. Tommy Lloyd. That's right. He's first-year coach. By the way, they barely make strength of schedule, too. Do you Which know is kind of surprising. It is kind of yeah. surprising. Because most Pac-12 teams don't don't fall that far no, down. It's because that league really stunk at the yeah. bottom this year. You, uh... and, and it's amazing that it's Baylor, too, because I think that they are seen as everybody I've asked, basically, over the last week or so, that they're the weakest one seed. Yes. That they're the one seed that it's like, okay, who's the first one that's going to be out in the field of 68? And almost everybody points to Baylor. Well, the one the one thing with Baylor, and we'll get into this as we go with, along, if Baylor can somehow get healthy for this tournament, you look we look at them totally differently. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the, the injury problems uh, have been the issue there. Uh, should I just say who the second team is, Gil? Or well, do, do we want to give guess. one more guess? guess Baylor okay. and? Baylor and... Baylor is the fourth overall Is it uh, UCLA? It is UCLA. Bing, bing, bing. Baylor and UCLA. Because I knew that they qualified yeah. for that top 20. Yeah. Baylor and UCLA are the only two teams. I think that would surprise a lot of people. First of all, yeah. it's also surprising that there's only two teams right. at this point. <laughs> right. But again, Auburn knocking at the door. Gonzaga knocking at the door. Um, Kentucky, to some extent, knocking at the door, too. They're 27th, I believe. Uh, Kentucky is in 
Yes, 27th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Kansas 29th in adjusted defensive efficiency. By the way, Duke not close. 44th in adjusted defensive efficiency. So they would not be a candidate to win it all per the formula. Uh, they've only gone down 19 spots in, in, in <laughs> one right. week of basketball. That's exactly uh, Realistically, right. but hey, really, Gil, that we, we made this point this morning as well, and you just made it. The fact that there are only two teams yes. going into the tournament, and also, too, that the one of the number one seeds, it doesn't matter what Arizona does in this tournament. They're never going to qualify because Tommy Lloyd is in his right. first go-around. And that's the one thing. Somebody asked, hey, wait, well, if Tommy Lloyd play, gets a bye in the Sweet 16, doesn't he have a Sweet 16 experience? I go, that's not how this works. That's not a lot. All right, so let's do First of all, any first four-in thoughts, Wes? Do you have a play in any of these? We won't. Obviously, these don't apply to the bracket uh, because people just get that as a free square, if you will. But in terms of the numbers, I'm not even seeing what the numbers are in the first four games. I got, I got, I got you, Gil. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, all right, it. Texas Southern three and a half over the Islanders of Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Yes, uh, Corpus the, Christi and Southern in perhaps, but A&M out. Uh, Wyoming, Wyoming and Indiana, Indiana four point consensus favorites over the Cowboys, and then the sixteen seeds of Wright State against Bryant. Uh, some choice words about uh, Peter, Peter Kiss, Kiss on the network earlier in the called, week. Called, uh, we can say it on the podcast. Yes, we can. Uh, Matt, uh, no, Matt Cox didn't say this. This was a uh, Kai McKeon. McKeon came on the show. I'm like, hey, what do you think about that uh, Bryant and uh, Peter Kiss making all those, uh, you know, histrionics on the court against Wagner? It was against Wagner, right? Yes. And uh, he goes, yeah, he's a shithead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not sure if we can <laughs> but, say that there. But everybody, but every team kind of needs a shithead. Yeah. Yeah. What I call a, <laughs> yeah. an ornery SOB. He is that. You absolutely need that on your team. That, uh, he, 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 he's the small school Marshall Henderson if we're going back in the time machine <laughs> there. Right. Uh, yeah. Wright State, by the way, three and a half point favorites over Bryant. And then Rutgers and Notre Dame. And Notre Dame well, this is interesting. Notre Dame's taking money this morning. Notre Dame's favored now by a point. Because I think everybody kind of looks at them that they were the last team in. If you go strictly by where the NCAA ranked the teams 1 through 68, Notre Dame was the last at-large team in. I believe Indiana was the second last. And they had to do some finagling there, too, because they obviously didn't want Indiana and Rutgers, two Big Ten teams, playing each other in the first four. So I think they flip-flopped them a little bit. But in terms of my thoughts, at least on the Tuesday games, I'm waiting for this to drop and hoping maybe some wise guys come in on Wyoming because I want to lay Indiana on the money line here because if you look at this matchup, it's not bad schematically for Indiana. Wyoming, if you watch them play and see how they profile statistically, are very much like a Big Ten team. A lot of post-ups to Grammy Gay. They use uh, their big point guard, 6'6", Hunter Maldonado, in post-ups. They don't run really a ton of ball. They run some ball screen for Maldonado, but not a lot. So this is a team that I think, you know, maybe they can get out athleted down low. It depends on how the game is going to be officiated, like who's going to get in foul trouble. Because Trace Jackson Davis has tended to struggle against, like, lengthy guys, even though he did very well in the Big Ten tournament against Michigan and Illinois, Hunter Dickinson and Kofi Coburn, two seven-footers. So I don't think Graham Ike is going to really cause him any problems defensively. Ike is not a good defender, and Jeff Linder, the Wyoming coach, kind of tries to hide him a little bit with basically how they play. So if this goes down a little bit, I like Indiana. Same thing with Texas Southern. Texas Southern was in this game last year. And Johnny Jones, look, brings in a lot of different transfers, kind of recycles them out year after year, but they have a few holdovers. This is a team 
that I think has been through this before. This is all new to Corpus Christi, coached by Steve Lutz, former Matt Painter assistant, was the defensive coordinator at Purdue, and boy, do they miss him. But I would lean actually both favorites in the Tuesday games. Okay. All right. Uh, by the way, just a couple notes uh, historically on the bracket again. Uh, for those who care about such things, at least one, at least one number one seed has reached the final four in nine straight tournaments now. Mm -hmm. Multiple number one seeds have reached the elite eight in seven straight tournaments now. So you were talking uh, this morning, Jeff, how, how when you were filling out your brackets, awfully chalky. Very, for you. Ch very chalky this year. Well, it fits with the historical trends here of late. Uh, number five, number five seeds, the highest to never win an NCAA tournament. Fifth seed has never won an NCAA tournament. Schools playing in the first four, which is what we just talked about. Don't dismiss them entirely. They've reached the final four twice. Shaka Smart's VCU team back in 2011. And as as I threw out to the to the crowd this morning, and you immediately got it. Last year, UCLA forgot yeah. completely they were in the first four. And everyone was so aggravated that the Bruins made the field, and all they did <laughs> yeah. was a a, a an all-time semifinal oh. buzzer beater away from being in the title game. He didn't call bank. Yeah, uh, at large teams, by the way, have won six of the last seven titles. Uh, just to extend it. All right, you guys ready to do this bracket by bracket? Be before we hop yes, in real please. quick, because uh, I, 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 on the first four, real quick. Oh yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, because uh, I think Rutgers matches up great with Notre Dame, because Notre Dame, Notre Dame's best win came early in the year against Kentucky which was just one of those flat spots for Kentucky where Kentucky just didn't show up in a true road game and Notre Dame got them. And that's really the reason Notre Dame's in the field. Rutgers against better competition has been significantly better than against weaker competition. We saw them lose to Lafayette earlier in the year. That's the reason Rutgers is in this game and not in the field instead of Michigan outright without having to play, play this field. But Look, Rutgers plays really good defense. I don't know how Notre Dame's going to score in this game. Granted, that's a problem with Rutgers all the time. But uh, if you're going to give me a point, I'm going to take Rutgers in that Wednesday game. The other three games, I, I kind of agree with Wes. I would love to see Indiana move down and be a little bit cheaper on the money line. I because, think that they'll get money. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you, too. I think the one the one thing with, with uh, Wyoming, because we watched a lot of Wyoming this last week because they were on the bubble and they happened to play all their games in Vegas basically the last week because they had a road game against UNLV. EK really struggled against physical play yep. in the post. And Indiana is going to play him physical. Oh, yeah. And that's probably the biggest reason that I like Indiana a lot more than I would have expected to in that matchup against Wyoming. The 16th seeds, let's face it, good for them being in the tournament. All four of them suck. So who really cares on those <laughs> games? No real betting angles R for them. Wright State Bryant, though, does have the potential to be a track meet. Oh, yes. Because Bryant yes. is a very up-tempo team. Wright State runs good motion. So I would lean to the over in that game. We'll see what I do. Yeah, Bri the... Bryant plays at a top five pace in the country. So keep that in mind when you're making your bets. Okay. Uh, let us get to the brackets themselves. And like we said, if, we, if, if we, there's nothing to say... Uh, either brackets or uh, ATS will move on quickly from them. But let us begin with the... Why don't we start in the West? Uh, these games are on Thursday. Number one versus number 16. Speaking of that, Gonzaga. Uh, the number one overall seed, 26-3 and three on the season. First overall seed for their second straight year in the NCAAs. Mark Few and Gonzaga have never won at all. They got to the championship twice now including last year where they lost to Baylor, of course, North Carolina, the other team to beat them when they got to the national championship. They're up against number 16, Georgia State, the Sun Belt champs. Uh, I assume we're all advancing in Zaga in the brackets. The number on this game, though, 
Um, just in case there's a play here, let me get to it, is 23 and a half. Yeah, Anything? Sm small lane for me, actually, on Georgia State. They okay. have won 12 of their last 13. Now, I think I don't think that they're going to give Gonzaga like a real nail-biter here, but this is a team that's got some athletes, uh, you know, got some experience, a senior-laden team. I believe they have three senior starters. I thought 23 and a half, and actually it was higher on the opener, 24, 24 and a half was a little bit high. All right. No, uh, no, nothing for me on that game. Okay. And by the way, there's a total play. Feel free to chime in as well. Uh, that plays the winner of the 8-9 game between Boise State and Memphis. Boise State, 27-7 and on the year. Mountain West champs, 0-7 all-time in the NCAAs, the Boise State Broncos. Uh, against Memphis, Anthony Hardaway's Memphis Tigers. Their first appearance, Memphis, is since 2014. Uh, that game, uh, both of these uh, games that we just mentioned in Portland on Thursday with, uh, whoops, sorry, uh, lost it again. Boise State, a two-and-a-half-point dog here. Memphis favored by two-and-a-half. Well, I'll say this. Wes uh, nailed it in the open. The uh, committee, again, I thought the committee did an overall very good job. This was a seeding mishap. They flipped Colorado State and Boise State. Yeah. Boise State should have been the six where Colorado yeah. State was. Colorado State should have been here. And it's a shame for Boise State because they've had a great year. They've, uh, if, if Akon is, is healthy... Uh, we saw him roll his ankle at the end of the Mountain West game, but he was able to finish the game. If he's healthy, he might be the best player on the court in this game, uh, other than, of course, the elite talent uh, draft-wise for Memphis. I am going to stay off of this game, but if Memphis gets bet, and I wouldn't be surprised if this gets to three yeah. and maybe even yeah. north of three, I probably will look to come back on Ooh. Boise getting more than three points Boise in this game. Boise a pretty good rebounding team, but can they do it against these elite athletes of Memphis? It's no surprise that Memphis is getting bad here, but I don't want to follow. I feel like I'm late to the party on Memphis. Who would you advance in your brackets? Tough one. I advanced Boise. I advanced Memphis, but I think that they are getting bet maybe a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah. this this is this is a, a tough one in the bracket. I'm, adv I'm advancing Memphis. It is a tough one. Eight nine games, basically coin flips historically. Five twelve game. This is in Buffalo on Thursday. UConn, uh, the highest uh, seed for UConn since winning the title back in 2011. They're taking on uh, the 12th seed New Mexico State Aggies, WAC champs, uh, WAC tournament champs. These this game in Buffalo. With uh, UConn, a very sexy pick for some here to advance. Greg Peterson has a beating Gonzaga. They are touchdown favorites against New Mexico State. Well, I do have an 84 to one ticket on UConn to win it all, so oh. I wouldn't mind if they uh, make a run here. Uh, there is no bet in this game. The number feels right to me. New Mexico State went through. Uh, let's face it, the WAC was actually a really good league this year. Mm -hmm. There were seven legitimate teams in that league. Uh, they took advantage of the WCC-like bracketing where the one and two seeds uh, get a bye to the semifinal. brackets. They, they get Abilene Christian, who's playing their fourth game in four days, and it really waxed them at Orleans uh, just down the road from us here in Vegas. This number feels right for me. I'm advancing UConn in my bracket, though. Yeah. In the end, just too much talent for the Aggies to deal with in this game. UConn playing a de facto home game as yeah. well in Buffalo as well. So I'll advance the uh, the Huskies in this game. No play spreader total, though. I think it, that number's right. Small lean for me, same in advancing UConn. Small lean for me, I guess, a little bit on the total at under 132. I think it opened 134. But these are two teams that I think will play like a more slower tempo. I think this is going to be a defensive game. They'll play the winner of the 4-13 game. I'm also advancing UConn. Not a 12-5 not a upset in that one. Uh, they'll play the winner of the 4-13 game between Arkansas and the Vermont Catamounts. Arkansas has lost five of their last six round, uh, round of 32 games. 
Lost five of their last six round of 32 games in this tournament. Uh, Vermont, the Catamounts, America East Tournament champs, they've won 22 of their last 23, and the only loss was a one-point overtime loss. This game in Buffalo as well. Arkansas favored by five consensus. You'll see some five-and-a-halves out there as well. Well, this is a little bit weird geographically speaking because Vermont will actually be able to travel not the far distance from Burlington over to Buffalo. With that said, this reminds me of a lot of what Vermont has had to deal with in the last two draws that they've mm -hmm. gotten. Last year, they got a, a, a very athletic Florida State yeah. team, and they didn't cover. Two years ago, they get Purdue. I thought they were going to cover that game. They did not cover the, that game. This is all the way down to five. I think that's a little bit too much yeah. liking of the Catamounts here. I'm going to lay five with Arkansas. Uh, probably throw them in a money line parlay with someone as well. Uh, even though Arkansas has had their idiotic moments this year, they are immensely talented. They're super athletic. Musselman is a really good tournament coach. As we saw at Nevada, we saw it last year. They, this team was in the Elite Eight and just too much Baylor last year in the Elite Eight West. But I, I, I like Arkansas. I think this is just a little too much on the dog here, so I'll lay with the Hogs. Vermont is a team I wanted to bet, but I wanted to bet them against a team that doesn't lay over them athletically, Correct. which Arkansas does. And look, it, it's tough to bet against a team like Vermont because they have such a winning culture and they have five senior starters. Not many teams in college basketball can make that claim. So this is a cohesive unit that shoots the ball really well, but this is one of those games that seems to me like they hang around for about 30 minutes or 32 minutes. You get in the final few minutes of the game, and then they just wear out, and they start fouling, and they foul you out of the cover. So, yeah, at five, I wouldn't be interested in Vermont. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic, every home run, every hit, every inning, every play, from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote let's go to the other half of the uh, west bracket friday games uh, the aforementioned Alabama Crimson Tide, sixth seed. They'll take on the winner of the Rutgers-Notre Dame game. Do you think Rutgers or Notre Dame are capable of upsetting them, or are you advancing Alabama in your bracket? Alabama seeking their uh, first consecutive Sweet 16 since all the way back in 90 and 91. Was that Horry and Sprewell, or no, that was after them? I, yeah. gosh, I'm trying to remember who that was. That was after them. Though. Yeah, yeah. Alabama in a 6-11 game. 
Uh, I would probably advance Alabama. I think Rutgers would be a team maybe that could give them the tougher matchup because of how good they are defensively. But Alabama, maybe this is a buy low on them because this is not a team that finished the season very strong, I didn't think. Uh, had a couple really weird losses, loses to Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament. So you never know what you're going to get out of these guys, but I'm going to very reluctantly advance them. They blew a double-digit second-half lead against Vanderbilt, too. Yeah. It was very yeah. perplexing. And I and I, I said this to Jim Root uh, a few weeks ago, and he actually agreed with me on this. For a guy who's a really good coach in Nate Oates, he has done a really bad job adjusting to his roster this yeah. year. Yeah. Because this is not well, a good. That's interesting. It, it, this is a, th a a horrible three point shooting team, and all they do is shoot threes. Still, they're really talented. It's pretty similar to the roster they had. They're three hundred and fifth, by the way, in three point yeah. shooting, and yeah. ninth they're in the country in two point percentage. Yeah. So so, so 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 get to the rim. That's my right. point. That's my point exactly. Yeah. Like Otsu is a really good coach. Has done a bad job adjusting. To the roster he has, I don't think Notre Dame has a shot in hell of beating Alabama if that's the matchup. I think Alabama would just run run all over him, and they'd score 80 points even if they weren't hitting from three. I'm with West though. Rutgers has the defense to play in that game. If it's Rutgers, I will advance Rutgers oh, in my wow. bracket. Wow. If it's Notre Dame, I will advance Alabama in my bracket. Okay. Uh, obviously, no spread there because we don't know if it's Rutgers or Notre Dame yet, but the winner of that... Uh, we'll take on the winner of the 314 game. These are in San Diego on Friday. Texas Tech, the number three seed, the number 12th overall, by the way, the uh, the fourth of the number three seeds uh, against number 14 Montana State, the Big Sky champs in their first NCAA tournament since 1996. Red Raiders favored by 15. Wes, I'm going to ask you a question here. Mm -hmm. How the hell is Montana State going to score in this game? Your guess is as good as mine. And look, uh, you know, Montana State, give them credit because they, I think they were, yeah, they were the number one seed uh, there in the big sky, went on ahead and won it. Danny Sprinkle is a very good coach out there. I don't know how long he's going to be there in Bozeman. This is a team that does get to the foul line, and that's what they're going to need to do in this game. Because Texas Tech, uh, I talk about the no middle defense where they spread everything out and try to push all the shots out to the wings force you to shoot threes. This is a team that can shoot threes, but I think against a defense like this, and I'm just looking at Montana State's schedule, the best team that they played was Colorado. They did take Colorado to overtime, but against an elite defense like Texas Tech that's probably smarting off losing in the Big 12 championship game to Kansas, I don't usually like to lay big favorites, and I probably won't here, but I'm not taking Montana State. No. Under, under for me in this game. I just don't know how Montana State scores. And I'm with Wes. I'm not a huge fan of laying 15 with a team that could be, have a questionable, questionable yeah. offensive outing. But I, I think under 132, 132 and a half. I think that's pretty good on this game. We're all advancing Texas Tech there. 7-10 game in Greenville, South Carolina between the Spartans and Michigan State in their 24th straight NCAA tournament against number 10 Davidson. 0-4, by the way, in case you're wondering, uh, straight up since Steph Curry left, Davidson. Uh, Sparty favored by just a point or a point and a half here in a 7-10 game. Well, uh, I'll say this. Uh, if we get Michigan State-Duke, I am very much in on the committee's 
unintentional humor oh, yes. of seeing which old fogey coaches <laughs> less at this point yes. between Izzo and Krzyzewski. Yeah. Uh, with that said, I don't think we're getting that matchup. I don't either. Davidson's offense is really good, and it was really surprising to see them yesterday melt at the end of the game like they did against Richmond. They were up yeah. six late, and Richmond just came back and took it from them at the end. Well, good on the Spiders in that one, but this is the – Wes, I don't know if you agree with this. This is the best non-Steph Curry team that McKillop has ever had at Davidson, and I don't even think it's particularly close. So I, I like Davidson plus the points. like him on the money line. I'm advancing the Wildcats. I just think they're the better basketball team, wow. especially with injury concerns on the Spartan yeah, side. This is the Foster Lawyer Bowl. Remember, <laughs> Foster Lawyer was at Michigan State. He's now the point guard for Davidson. Wow. 16.6 points a game. He's their leading scorer. And look – I like Davidson in this one, too. I hope this is not one of those trendy dogs that, like, as you get closer to the yeah. game time, it's like, oh, my God, the whole world's on this team. And then those are the ones that don't seem to get there. But Oh, I got you, I got a trendy dog coming up. That well, we're if you about. look at the schematic thing here, Bob McKillop, one of the better coaches, I think, in college basketball in terms of X's and O's, really good motion offense. Michigan State really struggles, I think, in ball screen defense. You've seen it really all year. This is also a Michigan State team that turns the ball over way too yes. much. They were bottom of the Big Ten in terms of turnover. So, you know, pick up your guy. We often see you play your old school. We see this in professional. First time you play your old team, guys really step up for you. And plus, it's the NCAA tournament, so you don't need extra motivation. But I like Davidson here. I think they're going to knock out Michigan State. The, the one thing I think will help us, Wes, uh, if we win the way of the trendy dog, what's more trendy though than people blindly betting Tom Izzo in March? Yeah, sure. despite no, that's the true. despite and, the fact that the numbers don't back and it up. We've been now. talking about that on Veasan. I think it's a little bit less than fifty percent in terms of February and March yeah. ATS for Tom Izzo, basically over like the last five years. That narrative has been there for like ten or fifteen years, <laughs> but we haven't like updated it here Correct. recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's very true. By the way, again, for those who are filling out brackets that are upset rewarded brackets or survivor pools, which is my favorite thing in the whole world, that are upset rewarded. I know it's just a 10-7, but keep in mind, both these guys on Davidson uh, to advance here. And then the final game in this region, uh, the winner of the Michigan State-Davidson game will take on the winner of Duke and Cal State Fullerton, 2-15 game. Uh, Duke, all five of their, NCAA, uh, their NCAA titles have come from the number two seed, for those who care about such things. Uh, but Coach K and crew will take on the Big West Tournament champ, Cal State Fullerton Club, uh, who last won an NCAA tournament game in 1978. Who could forget it, Wes? Yes. Who could forget it? I think it was uh, Leon Wood was on that team, if I recall. Was he really? Yes. Leon Wood, who later became an NBA player and then an NBA referee. Yes. There yes. we go. Yes. There's our Leon Wood shooting up the road. <laughs> uh, Duke favored by 17. Anything here? Wes? I'd only lay it here. I think, you know, I just think this is a horrible matchup for Fullerton. You have a Duke team that now has lost in Mike Krzyzewski's last home game in Durham. Yep. And lost and, and really didn't look impressive in the ACC tournament, even though they did make the final. Miami had them very competitive. So, you know, Syracuse I got away from Syracuse late. But Syracuse, even without Buddy Bayheim for that suspension was in the game. Sure were. I think this is uh, this is tough for Fullerton. I think this is kind of like the lambs being led to slaughter here. I think Duke is ready to run somebody out, and it just so happens to be Fullerton. Uh, until further notice, Duke games will be blindly bet over for me. 
yeah. because they are not even attempting to play defense right now. Like we said, all the way down to 44th. When we did this, when we did the championship format like three weeks ago, they were 20-something. Yeah, no, they were 22nd. Yeah. They were just on the outside looking in. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say this on Fullerton because we saw some end-game possession disasters over the weekend. What Long Beach State did at the end against Fullerton in the Big West championship game might be the worst last possession I have ever seen in the big spot. Get the ball back yeah. with 27 seconds left and don't even remotely come close oh, to right. getting a shot and off. And they had a chance end. to win it, Yes, too. they would have won it. Yes. They would have won it. Princeton tried to top them on Sunday. They were the close. IBG they were close. <laughs> yeah, but Fullerton's was worse, and I was wrong. Lee did, or Leon Wood did play at Fullerton, wasn't on that team. Wasn't on that team. Let's get your mic up, Wes, because I don't want you to be Okay, low, I'm low sorry. <laughs> yeah, Jeff and I are, are I keep are, knocking this down. That's okay. You got, you got a strong chin. You got a strong beard game. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, switch over to the South region. Uh, the 116 is yet to be determined. Arizona is going to go up against the Wright State Bryant winner, Wright State Horizon champs, Bryant Northeast champs. Um, by the way, the Northeast Conference is 0-31 all time in round of 64. Uh, I would assume that if uh, Bryant wins here, they'll be 0-32, yes? Yeah, I would say so. The only yeah. thing that's intriguing potentially of an Arizona-Bryant game would be how high do they set this total? Right. Yeah. Well, Brian, if you recall, they played Houston earlier this year, and I think they got beat like 111 to 44. So, yeah, Arizona team total. I wonder what that's going to be if, in fact, it's Bryant for Wright State for that. I mean, I mean they gave Clemson 93 points in 69 yeah. possessions. Arizona could score 120 in that game if they wanted to. Arizona has not been to the final four since, wow, since 2001. Richard, Richard Jefferson, right? I, I was going to say, because uh, yeah. I saw them win their national championship in person in Indianapolis in the Hoosier Dome, the Miles Simon, Miles Simon. Michael Dickerson, the overtime, overtime national championship game against Kentucky. So yeah. it's been a while for and, these guys. And that, Wes, 1997 you're talking, is the last time that a Pac-12 team has won an NCAA tournament. I think it's the last time a West Coast team Correct. has won an yeah. NCAA tournament because they had a run there in the 90s with UNLV, of course, with UCLA in 1994, or 1994, 1995, I guess, and then uh, Arizona, and they haven't won one ever since. All right, and they, they beat uh, Kentucky that night in, in uh, overtime. Ricky Patino, Rick Patino's Kentucky team uh, that year. Okay, uh, winner of the 116, which we assume will be Arizona, will take on the winner of the 8-9. That is Seton Hall and TCU. TCU, uh, their second NCAA appearance here in the uh, 2000s, this century, if you will. These games are in San Diego, by the way, on Friday. Uh, this spread is as close to a pick -em as it as it gets in some spots. I'm seeing one and a half at the most with Seton Hall just the slightest favorite. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make it quick. I'll advance TCU in my bracket. Oh, okay. I, I actually think they're the better team in this game. And I actually do give a slight coaching advantage to Dixon over Willard. So uh, I, I'm, I probably will actually end up betting TCU, especially if the money keeps coming in on the Pirates. Yeah, I agree with you on TCU. I would, I'm looking at the under here. This is going to be – these two teams are going to beat the absolute hell out of each other. Yes, this they is will. going to be a really physical game. This could be like very low 60s type of game here with these two teams, two good defenses, two teams that rebound the hell out of the ball too. So I lean TCU, but I like the under here. Rock fight coming, as Wes would Rock say. Rock fight. Uh, by the way, in terms of uh, the overall seeds, Seton Hall is the 32nd overall seed in this tournament. TCU the 34th. So in terms of how they close. landed in the seeding, that's as close as it gets uh, in this tournament. 5-12 uh, game. This is in Pittsburgh, also on Friday in the South region. Houston and UAB. Curious to hear what you guys have to say about this. Uh, Houston, the uh, AAC champ, AAC tournament champs, 
their fourth straight NCAA tournament. Only one in their previous 25 before that. Um, fourth overall in Ken Palm, but a fifth seed mm -hmm. for the Houston Cougars, taking on number 12 UAB, the Conference USA tournament champs, their first NCAA appearance since 2015. This game in Pittsburgh, as I mentioned, uh, with the spread here at nine or eight and a half, let's call it consensus in favor of the Cougars. I like UAB outright. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. actually do, too. And yeah. I did. Wow. it was one of the first I bet. I bet UAB plus nine last night because the Houston team that I saw in November, which was at the Maui Invitational that was moved to Mandalay Bay for COVID, yep. was one of the most athletic teams I had seen. I was like, oh, my, I mean, they were swallowing Butler whole and they looked yeah. good throughout the tournament, lost at the end of Wisconsin. But no Marcus Sasser, no Tremont Mark. They have not been the same, but I don't think that we've noticed it because they kept winning because they were yes. so much better than about every team in that conference, except Memphis did get them two out of three games, didn't get the game yesterday in the conference title game. But if you look, Houston had to go a little bit more zone in the conference tournament. And I don't know if it was Kelvin Sampson, like, kind of resting some of his guys or energy conservation, I should say, didn't really rest players necessarily, but... Kelvin Sampson's a man-to-man -man coach, and he always has been, so he's been running zone. I'm interested to see how they stop uh, Jelly Walker, Jordan yes, Walker. Yes. This could be one of those guys, and Gil, you're a, a fan of history in this tournament. Mm -hmm. This could be one of those guys, because there's always that mid-major player that you know, really like, you know, hello world or hello America, this is me, yep. you know, Harold the show, Arsenault. <laughs> There's been so many yes. of these guys over the years. And I think Jelly Walker, and he was the guy that really carried them on on UAB's back, especially in that triple overtime game against Louisiana, or uh, who was it? Was it against Middle it, Tennessee? It was Middle Tennessee yeah. in that semifinal there yeah. at the Star in Arlington. Well, I, I can't say it any better than what Wes said. I, I think J I think Jelly Walker is at, is the best player in this yeah. game. Yeah. Period. It's just a matter of he's undersized. So Houston is long enough to make him mm -hmm. struggle. If Houston is unable to make him struggle, look, I wouldn't be shocked if UAB wins this game going away. I, I, Houston, to me, this year, Gil, is the most misplaced team ever ever by the analytic numbers at Ken Palm. I was yeah. going to say, is, Here, is that a weakness of Ken Palm? Well, well, here's the thing, and I was just going to bring that up. Houston is a guy that the metrics guys and the analytics guys love, love. Love them. But the betting market, I think, is the ultimate arbiter. So whenever there – and there's often a debate because I think there are people that might – handicap or pick games based on the Ken Palm fan match. Look, we are never going to be the mathematicians Ken Pomeroy Correct. is. Right. So I respect his work immensely, but he's not a bookmaker. Yeah. And he'll when, tell you that too. Yes, absolutely yeah. he will. And I think he's been very candid and very fair about that. But when there's like a discrepancy on a team between Ken Palm's metrics and the bookmakers, more often than not, never, nothing's ever 100%, but more often than not, I'm going to be on the side of the bookmaker. Me too. Because I think that they know how to evaluate these teams. They see the bets. They know what the market is going to bear. And if the market is telling you that UAB is live here, I think that they are very live, and I immediately bet them. Would you advance them in your bracket as Jeff would? It's, yeah. yeah, I think you got to take a couple shots. I, and I think that's a shot know? to take. And I mean, yep. you know, which five twelve is it going to be? Now it seems like going through the bracket that the four thirteen is kind of becoming the new five twelve. Like yeah. the five twelve is so last season. Right? Well, so 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 uh, two thousand late. As, uh, <laughs> two thousand late. Somebody once said. <laughs> yes. Well, this this could be the little uh, corner of mayhem because the four thirteen game, which uh, the winner of Houston UAB plays, 
is pretty live. Two to some. We'll see what you guys think about this. Number four, Lion-Eye of Illinois, who uh, haven't reached the Sweet 16 since 2005 against 13th-seeded Nuga, the Southern champs. Uh, this game also in Pittsburgh, and I was mentioning on the numbers game this morning when they flash up the team when they're announced in the brackets. Chattanooga looked like they, when they saw who they were up against, they, they felt to me like they were like, oh, we can beat these guys. Mm -hmm. um, this is, this spread, by the way, oops, sorry, lost it again. Pressed on the wrong thing, my bad. This is Illinois by seven, by a touchdown, some seven and a halfs up there too, up from six and a half. So they took a little money here early to the alliance. Yeah, I, uh, I am completely against the market here. Chattanooga outright for me. Wow. Uh, and I like I, this kid. And, and I'll say this here. Wes, Illinois, this whole year, I don't know what it's been about them. They won the co they were co-champions of the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. Every time I watched them, it was like, all right, something is really missing from this team. Yeah. And I never could fully pinpoint it. And Kofi Cokeburn is, is a stud. There's yeah. no arguing that. They have good guard play. They have a good coach. It is usually, they have a profile of a team that I would usually gravitate towards. But when you watch them, there is something missing with them. And the one thing Chattanooga has, Chattanooga has a legitimate power five big guy that can guard Kofi Cokeburn. Coke yeah, Silvio D'Souza, who used to be at Kansas. Kansas right. And had the, the, all the NCAA issues. That's why he's at Chattanooga now. Malachi Smith was the best player in the SoCon. I know people will say, oh, they were lucky to win their conference tournament. It was the shot, the shot prayer from, from Bat David Jean-Baptiste. Bat well, but, but Wes, I... I think this is a pretty darn good matchup for Chattanooga. And I haven't bet this game yet. I'm deciding what I want to do. But keep in mind, Lamont Paris actually was an assistant at mm -hmm. Wisconsin under good Bo point. Ryan. So, you know, he, I think, kind of knows, you know, the scouts of the Big Ten and how this team is going to play. I believe uh, 2018 is when he took the uh, job down in Chattanooga. So I think Underwood, you know, he didn't get a lot of look at Brad Underwood as the Illinois head coach. But I think Lamont Paris is going to know how to prepare for these guys now will Illinois who struggled against Indiana and they got out physical like Illinois had a lot of chances to go ahead and close out Indiana in that Big Ten tournament weren't able to do it the guards just really didn't shoot well Frazier didn't shoot well Plummer didn't shoot well and it was Coleman Hawkins yeah. that really kept him in the game Curbelo uh, was a little bit of erratic but Illinois is kind of one of those teams if things break right they can make a deep run or mm -hmm. they could be out first round so I thought this number was about right Maybe worth another shot in a bracket, as you said, Jeff, for those I, again that, who are... That's uh, of the double-digit, like the yeah. higher-end double-digit teams. That's the one I liked the most. That was know, the one I immediately thought, all right, this is going to be one. Know the rules of your uh, of your brackets. Again, if they're not upset-rewarded, you might have a different take on how to fill them out. But if they are upset-rewarded, maybe Nuga worth a shot here. Uh, also in this region, but on the other side, this is a Thursday matchup in Indianapolis. By the way, both the Houston UAB and Illinois Chattanooga games are in Pittsburgh. Thursday in Indianapolis, 6-11 game between Colorado State, making their first NCAA appearance since 2013, and number 11, Michigan, who did get Jawan Howard back starting with the conference tournament in the Big Ten. Uh, they've reached, <clears throat> pardon me, Michigan has reached the Sweet 16 in the last four NCAA tournaments. But they come into this at 17-14. and 14. Uh, They are the two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game against the Colorado State uh, team that you guys said was misseeded here. Um, where did you stand on Michigan? They 
There were some people who said, I, I don't know, is Michigan a lock to make the tournament? Everybody, in the end, they were, as it turned out. Where do you stand on this game, Wes? I felt that they should have been in, but look, I felt that maybe they should have been in Dayton instead of Indiana. Indiana did beat them in the Big Ten tournament, but nevertheless, you get a Colorado State team that I do think is overseeded, but this is, you know, this is not like handicapping science or some kind of great angle here, but one of the things I do look at when this comes out, when all the tip times come out on Sunday, I look at the TV schedule. And it seems like every year, like clockwork, that early Thursday window, there's always some kind of upset. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if this is going to be one of them because they are the first session on Thursday, 12, 15 Eastern. First game of the tournament. Yeah, so Michigan and Colorado State are in that session. South Dakota State Providence, which we'll get to later. And then you look at the afternoon games. Uh, really not a lot of upsets because there's a bunch of higher seeds, Gonzaga and Georgia State. So... And this is, uh, and we should point out again, this is for, for the casual person who just yes. shows up for March Madness. This is an 11 seed that is actually favored Correct. over a 6 seed. Yes. Uh, and uh, I actually do lean Colorado State here. And I and we talked about this earlier. They should have been the 8. Boise should have been the 6. Yeah. But I think when a team hears that, like, oh, do they deserve to be in or do they deserve this seed, that gives them a chip on their shoulder, at least for the first game into the tournament. So uh, I like the Rams here. Uh, David Roddy is not going to be bashful. He's undersized, but he's a big-bodied guy that I don't think is going to back down from, like, Hunter Dickinson and Musa Diabate and Michigan's size here. So I like the Rams. You and, you and I are oppo here. I think the market is right. I think the market is right. And it pains me to say this because I, I would have had no problem if Michigan got left out of the field. But they're in. And this is, again, if this was Boise State, I would be all over Boise State in this game. But I think the big issue for Colorado State is that if I think Michigan has the athletes to take Roddy out of the game. And I love David Roddy. He is, he is someone that people will really like watching because he does not have the usual – basketball body type and people enjoy watching players that don't have the usual uh, basketball body type but in the end I think just Michigan is too much for, for Colorado State I'll advance Michigan in my bracket I won't bet this game I think the number's right now the thing is Colorado State gives up a lot of three-point attempts and Michigan not the best shooting they're not team. no they're not winner of 611 Colorado State Michigan goes up against the winner of the number 314 game also in Indianapolis the Vols of Tennessee, SEC Conference Tournament champions, seeking their first Final Four in school history against number 14, Longwood Lancers from Farmville, Virginia. I grew up in D.C. I have no idea where that is. <laughs> Big South uh, Tournament champs, first so. ever NCAA appearance. They won 19 of their last 20. Uh, but the Vols are big favorites in this. Vols favored by 17. Gil, I often uh, quote this line that Jeff, that there's uh, where he went to college in Missouri, there's Missouri and there's Missouri. Yes. Well, much like Virginia, <laughs> yes. there's Virginia and there's Virginia. <laughs> and maybe Farmville is in Virginia. But, they are. but nevertheless, Griff yes. Aldrich uh, you know, had a four-year plan and has done a great job and seen it come to fruition. They were the best team in the Big South by far. They went 15-1, and one, only lost one conference game. But they're going to run into a buzzsaw here. If you look at the best opponent Longwood played, now this was all the way back in November. Surely they're a better team now than they were to start the season. Iowa absolutely ran them out 106-73. to And this is a Tennessee team. We talked about seeding. 
I felt, I mean, I guess we're splitting hairs between should they be a three and be a two. They should have been a two seed. I mean, you beat Kentucky two out of three matchups, yeah. and you win the SEC tournament. I think Tennessee kind of got discredited a little bit. I actually would have flipped them and Villanova in this region where Villanova had been three. This I gets back Tennessee. to what you were saying at the beginning, which is the yeah. SEC tournament didn't seem to matter at all. No, it didn't, and it absolutely should have. Uh, you look at Tennessee. They're number three in adjusted uh, defensive efficiency, and you don't even need to know the numbers. You just watch this team. This is an eye test team. They don't. They guard you so close. I mean, they oh. get inside the shorts, oh. and and they are a really good defensive team. I also think when you look uh, last year, now the quality of opponent is different. But if you recall, Tennessee was a five seed last year, and they not only got beat by Oregon got State, stopped. they got destroyed by Oregon State. Rick Barnes has been hearing this all these years that you know, hey, he's a great. He's, he's won a lot of Coach of the Year awards, and you know, won pretty much every program he's been. But he's never advanced to the Final Four. He's never really gotten that big one. I think Tennessee could be a mission team. I think they're going to stomp Longwood. And for that, Rick Barnes makes $5 million a year, Wes. does. $5 million. Jeff, any thoughts here? You're advancing Tennessee. Any thoughts on the spread? I'm advancing Tennessee, but Longwood does have the profile to make this a game. Oh. They have the profile because right. they're a great three-point shooting So you'll team. take the points? I'll take 17 if you're going to give me 17. I'm now, giving you well, 17. Now, now I'll say this. The one thing that, that does concern me, though, is if Tennessee shows up for the whole 40, Longwood could get held to 35 points. That is 100%. Longwood is going to have to, like, chuck threes here yes, because they're the going to get, get they're going to get nothing at the rim on uh, this team. 100%. This could be a game where Longwood shoots horribly from three. Tennessee wins 75 to 38. You ever play, That's 100%. Ever play, play that team in, uh, when you were growing up that was just they the guy, or just even a pickup game, a guy decided he's going to take defense seriously, and you're like, get away from right. that. That's Tennessee. <laughs> right. it's Tennessee. Right. Friday, uh, last couple matchups in this in this uh, region. 7-10 game between the Buckeyes of Ohio State, uh, who haven't reached a Sweet 16, by the way, since 2013. Uh, and the, uh, boy, the bracketologist did them no favors. The committee did them no favors. They're up against number 10 Loyola of Chicago, the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament champs. Uh, who have been to the Sweet 16, their last three NCAAs, by the way. 24th in Ken Palm. This one's in Pittsburgh uh, between uh, Loyola Chicago and Ohio State. And the spread on this, Loyola of Chicago, your favorite by one and a half. I, I, think, the, I think the number is completely correct. They're ten, the 10 seed favorite. They're the better basketball team right now. Ohio State's just been floundering down the stretch. And look, I, I, Wes, Wes and I have talked about this in the past. Are we sure Chris Holdman's a good coach? Are we sure about that at this point? Because no. it, it really seems like he was living off the Butler, Brad Stevens magic there at Butler. Got the Ohio State job. And all they've done since then is just have these horrible outings in the NCAA tournament year after year after year. I think Loyola's the better basketball what? team. I don't disagree with anything you said there. Having said that, I'm going to be on Ohio State here go. because a couple reasons. Number one, if you look, everybody when that game came out was like, oh, Loyola over Ohio State, Loyola over Ohio yeah. Nobody liked the Buckeyes on the Twitter machine, and that always kind of concerns me yeah. a little bit. And then when you're watching the CBS show and Seth Davis was like, my upset special is Loyola over Ohio <laughs> State, and Loyola is the damn favorite yeah, in the I game. My upset special, it's like, yeah. man, you're really ahead of the curve there, brother. <laughs> Jesus. Wake up, You got to wake up early in the morning to keep up with you. Uh, EJ Liddell and Ohio State, the dogs there.
So yeah. we're so we're oppo there. Well, oppo. and and we gotta you know keep in mind some of the injuries too. Kyle Young has missed the last couple games in the Big Ten tournament, so I've, of course I want to see if he's healthy. Zed Key had been had been out as well, so if those two guys are back, I definitely like the Buckeyes. And I'm surprised actually. I thought Loyola they might get bet a little bit more, but you're starting to see some ones now with mm -hmm. Ohio State laying. 215 game is the uh, the bracket that uh, comes next to the Ohio State Loyola Chicago 7-10 one. Villanova and Delaware, Villanova Big East tournament champs, reached 16 of the last 17 uh, NCAAs against the Fighting Blue Hens, the Fighting Flacos of Delaware, Conference, uh, excuse me, Colonial Athletic Association tournament champs. Um, I think we're all advancing Villanova. Can Correct. I say that confidently? We, we are, but I, I am taking Delaware in the points like here. Uh, okay. And Gil, here's a little historical nugget on this game for you. If you remember, Villanova went to the 1971. It wasn't just 1985. Villanova had been in the national championship before. 1971 against UCLA. Okay, I do not remember that. And the, okay. po and the point guard on that team was a guy by the name of Tom Inglesby who is the father of Martin Inglesby, uh, the Delaware head coach. Oh, Inglesby was a uh, assist that. assistant under Mike Bray for many years at Notre Dame. So uh, I think you've got some motivation. Uh, Jameer Nelson, Jr., by the way. How one, old are Jameer we? Nelson, How Jr., for God's sake. <laughs> How we were, old? We were watching them in the NCAA tournament when Oklahoma State oh, beat them in that man. regional final uh, on a uh, on a three at the buzzer. I think it, it was uh, it was John, Lucas. It was John Lucas in uh, at, yeah. uh, at Continental Airlines yeah. Arena in East Rutherford, when, when, New Jersey. When, when Billy Packer was lamenting, yes. how is St. Joe a one seed? And Phil oh, Martelli right. basically went right at him on the selection show, that which was I phenomenal. loved. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, Delaware, you know, they run a lot of pick and roll, a lot of cuts, sometimes Villanova, even though they're a good defensive team, can struggle to guard that. Villanova, by the way, very shorthanded. They're only playing like seven guys. Winning the Big East tournament, that was really impressive by them because they were all kind of banged up. Yeah. Jermaine Samuels had back spasms and whatnot. So and that big comeback against St. John's, yeah, I believe it yeah. was. Yeah, so I, I think that this number was is a little bit high. Where is it? About 15 and a half, 16? 15 and a half, yeah. Yeah, I, I, still think, I still think that or 16 is takeable here. I yeah. know it opened 17. I think Delaware covers Villanova wins. All right, let's go to the Midwest. Let's move it along. One sixteen game uh, between Kansas, the Big 12 Tournament champs, 15th number one seed ever for Kansas. Their 32nd straight NCAA tournament, taking on the winner of Texas Southern and Texas A&M Corpus Christi, the SWAC and Southland tournament champs, respectively. This game is in Fort Worth, so a little bit of a home court for the Texas teams, whoever gets there, uh, but uh, Kansas is a they, they, yes. They'll have about maybe uh, uh, a tenth of the fans that yes. the Jayhawks will bring. <laughs> they travel right. everywhere, so yeah, yeah. Kansas. Yeah, don't, we don't even have Kansas to advance. do anything okay. there, yeah. Winner of that takes on the uh, winner of the 8-9 game between the uh, Aztecs of San Diego State and Creighton, uh, the number nine seed. This is in Fort Worth with, let me get to this now. Do, 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 do. Get to the uh, spread. Pardon me. Uh, do, do, do. All right. And this number is currently at, oh, okay. Creighton, no, excuse me. San Diego State favored by two, two and a half. Who's advancing? Are you playing the number? I, I'm not betting this game. I, I, I think the number is about right. I advanced Creighton in my in my bracket. I really am not a fan of the San Diego State team, even though they play really good defense. Oh. They are one of the Horrible biggest viewing. eyesores oh. offensively in the well, country. So when, when this matchup was made, I put out the little meme of, of the uh, – 
the turtle here, yeah. you know, just uh, crawling. Yeah. Because that's what this is going to be. And this oh, total yeah. is 120 for a reason. Oh. Creighton used to be more of an up-tempo team. Now they've slowed it down a little bit. By the way, they've been without Ryan Nemhard, their point guard, since February 26. Uh, uh, three and three without him. Uh, been competitive with most games, but... Uh, yeah, I think this is going to be an absolute crawl of a game. Creighton's a pretty darn good defensive team in their own right. They hung with Villanova. Total, right there totals the 120. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, I, I would not go over because I thought maybe on Saturday that Boise-San Diego State game was like a contrarian over. That was way too contrarian. I, I'm not taking overs for San Diego State. Yeah, this is – this is uh, we mentioned it before. This is going to be a rock fight. Yeah. This could be the absolute rock fight of the first round. 31th overall against the 33rd overall seed. Yeah, even team. San Diego State, Creighton here in Fort Worth, Texas. Okay, uh, to the 5-12 game in this bracket, or in this region, I should say. Iowa, who is just all of a sudden the sexiest pick ever, yeah. winning the Big Ten tournament. Uh, they haven't reached the Sweet 16 since 1999. They're the number five seed here against the Richmond Spiders. Spiders, the Atlantic 10 Conference Tournament champs, their first NCAA since 2011. I remember uh, back in the day, they pulled off a big upset as a 15th seed so many years ago. Uh, Iowa, though, who, 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 Dick Vitale likes them, getting all the way to the championship game, I think it was. Yep. Uh, Iowa favored by 10 and a half. This is too much now, isn't it, Wes? I mean, yeah, I kind of am looking at it that way. I don't know if I'm going to bet this game, though, because I think Iowa getting a little bit too much love that yeah. that that boat's getting a little bit crowded and about to tip over and this is this is a richmond team by the way with four senior start or four senior starters and another guy comes off the bench these guys should have made the tournament in 2020 they were 24 and 7 then of course COVID 19 happened kind of screwed them out of their bid and all those kids were juniors and have used that extra COVID year that they got for the scholarship year to come back so they all came back to make the NCAA tournament, and they needed to rally. They had to win four games in four days to make the NCAA tournament. So what worries me if I'm going to fade Iowa, even though I think Iowa's getting a little bit too crowded, what worries me about Richmond is, number one, how much energy do they have? Now, I kept saying, oh, I don't know how much legs the Spiders are going to have, but I forget that Spiders have eight legs, so they should have no problem. I then. see what you did. They should have absolutely no problem. However... Is, is Richmond, look, they're going to try and they're going to give an effort, but is it to this point, though, where it's like we made our goal? Our goal was to come back and make the NCAA tournament, and now we've done that. That's a good point. So yeah. that's what you worry about with the psyche of a team here. So this is going to be an absolute stay away for me. Yeah, I would only take here, uh, again, I, I, to use a Wes Reynolds phrase here, the fat and happy Iowa Hawkeyes right yeah. now coming off the run in uh, Indianapolis. I, you know, you would I, take the points. You would take I Richmond would, plus I, the I points. Would, I would take the points. I'm advancing Iowa in my bracket, okay. though. Uh, I, I, you know, this Richmond team, I, I bet against a lot, and I've really – the 8-10 tournament was a mess betting against them, obviously. But, look, they, they, they uh, Gilliard is a really good guard. And if Iowa struggles to defend Gilliard, that opens it up for Golden, that opens it up for Kyle, who are their other two best players. Mm -hmm. Uh, that could be a really dicey scenario. And also, too, I don't like Fran McCaffrey. He's an average coach. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, And Mooney's a guy who – it's kind of amazing. Richmond hadn't been in the tournament as long yeah. as they had been. Because Mooney, Mooney's a guy that you always have thought of as a really good major coach that would at some point move on to a Power 5 yeah. job. Mm -hmm. It may finally be time for him with them back in the tournament. But Iowa advances, they don't cover here. Yeah, Richmond since 2011. 
Uh, they haven't been in this tournament. They were in the Sweet 16 that year, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that game in Buffalo, and they'll take on the winner. Now, this is the game I wanted to talk to you all about. <laughs> Uh, the winner of the 4-13 game here in this region, Providence, the Friars, 25-5 and this year. It's their first 25-win season uh, since Providence went to the Final Four under Rick Pitino, I believe it was, in 1987. Against the Jack Rabbits of South Dakota State, the number 13 seed, the Summit League Conference Tournament champs, who are 0-5 all-time in this tournament. And this, is, this has been a fascinating discussion this morning because let's just set it up. Providence is favored by two now, seeing more twos than two and a halves in a 4-13 game. And what you're getting a lot is South Dakota State has the giant killer uh, characteristic of three-point shooting, good three-point shooting team. Providence via Ken Palm, the luckiest team in yes. the country. And so what we're hearing a lot of this week is how this sets up beautifully for South Dakota State. And I almost feel like, Wes, that it's a little too much of that. Well, and, and I don't disagree with that at all yes. because I think that this is arguably the most intriguing first-round matchup from a betting standpoint mm -hmm. because, look, everything sets up for South Dakota State. South Dakota State, number one three-point shooting team in the country, absolutely capable, number one in effective field goal percentage. Uh, they take care of the basketball. They're a smart team. They're well coached by Eric Henderson. This has been a good mid-major or lower-major program for a long time. Remember T.J. Altselberg? Yep. had a very good run there at South Dakota State. But here's the thing about the betting market. Also, Scott Nagy's now at Wright State. But here's the thing about this. Five to several years ago, South Dakota State might have been getting like five, right. five yes. and a half. Right. Yep. And that speaks to how efficient the betting market is now. It is way more efficient than it was even five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. People have been cutting in line to bet five, five and a half or six. Now they're cutting in line to take two right. yeah. with South Dakota State, and I'm not going to get in that line here. Yeah. By the way, all time, in case you're wondering, 13s over fours uh, since the NCAA tournament went to round of 64, 31 and, th and 113 straight up, 13s versus fours. 31 and 113, that's a 215 winning percentage. If you're wondering, 14s versus threes, 22 and 122 for a 153 winning percentage. 15s versus two, it's only happened nine times in history. Nine and 135 for a 062 uh, winning percentage, and uh, some of you will remember those great names. Richmond, we already referenced back in 1991. Uh, Santa Clara and Steve Nash in 93 over Arizona. Coppin State in 97 over South Carolina. Hampton in 2001 over Iowa State. Lehigh famously over Duke in 2012. There were two of them that year. Norfolk State beat Mizzou that year in 2012. Florida Gulf Coast, who could forget that, over Georgetown in 2013. Middle Tennessee State over Michigan State in 2016. And Oral Roberts just last year against Ohio State. And, of course, the only time it's happened, 16 versus 1, the only time UMBC over Virginia in the year 2018, 1 and 143. So uh, if you're, again, upset rewarded pools, don't get too crazy with the 16s. It's only happened once. The 15s also a historical anomaly. We haven't talked to, we haven't really favored any 15s thus far. But here we have a situation with a 13 seed that if you're filling out upset rewarded brackets, you may want to take a flyer on South Dakota State. But from a betting standpoint, that's that's it. You got we're, we're talking about two different things here, right? If you're in an upset rewarded pool, uh, brackets or upset rewarded survivor pools, you probably take a flyer on South Dakota State. If you're betting this, like Wes just said, people lining up to take right. the two. 
I'm not so sure that pendulum hasn't swung. I, I, I'm going to go totally contrarian on what you said there. This actually might be not a bad – if you're in an upset-minded pool, oh, I see this might doing. actually be a good opportunity <laughs> to actually take the chalk because yes. uh, everyone in the world is going to be on South Dakota State. That's a good and, point, and, too. And, look, I got that response when I was talking about, okay, that first Thursday window on television. Yeah. You know CBS likes the FX. It was like, here's the madness, and there's some kind of exciting buzzer beater because you know it's going to be a competitive game. And you have a high possibility for an upset. And everybody that, like, tweeted at me was like, South Dakota State, South Dakota State. That was the one that they were picking. I don't like to be on the upsets that everybody is on because yeah. it very rarely works out that way. So it's the 512 or 413 that, like, nobody picks. That's the one that happens. Well, here's a true story. Go ahead. So before a numbers game this morning, Jeff and I are talking about, like, were we, were we even looking at spreads? Because I think the big thing that we at VEASAN – get trapped in is that we get wrapped up in the spreads on these games right. and 95% of the country is still just filling out brackets. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And so that's why I like to do this show where it's both of them. And so I said to Jeff, because Jeff, I was like, I don't know a single spread at this point except for one. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason that I knew this one is because my buddy, Dr. Bob, his only pick that he made in the first round, Providence minus the two. Mm -hmm. It's the only pick he liked. And I'm with Dr. Bob. And, I, and he may be able to lay less yeah. than that. Too. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked if this thing closes a pick. I really wouldn't because the steam that will come in, because it is the second game of the day on Thursday, the early morning steam that could come in on South Dakota State could be really high. Look, I, I'm talking about the big – I know they were lucky. Yeah. Ken Palm, I know they were, the analytics hate them. I know most betting people don't like this Providence team this year. I haven't liked them a lot. They, they are the they they won the Big East regular season. Yeah, they are playing a game in Buffalo, which is not a not a bad trek from Providence. They're only two point favorites over the Summit. This Champions. team, by the way, <laughs> this, this Providence team, yeah. by the way, did win at Wisconsin. Yes. did yes. beat Texas Tech at home, who we believe is a top 10 team, one at UConn. I mean, they, Maybe they're just they got monster wins. The only yeah. team they didn't beat of the elite teams on their schedule with Villanova. Like, Villanova handled them twice, which is not really surprising because Jay Wright again, top no five. real coach. shame. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing wrong with getting swept yeah. by Villanova. But look, if South Dakota State beats me, so be it. They're a good team. They're a yeah. great three-point shooting team. Providence is going to be my biggest bet on Thursday. I'm going to probably money line them. And wait it out because I expect this thing to close Providence minus one and Providence minus yeah, 125 yeah, on the mean, money line. The way I look at it, too, and this is going to sound bad saying this, but if you come to Las Vegas and you're out here in a sports book and you see somebody that you probably wouldn't even trust across the street by themselves <laughs> unsupervised, that's like, right. South Dakota State, yeah. bro, yeah. you don't want to be on that dude's side that's long right. term, I can tell you that. Yeah. Great and, bit of advice. And again, Gil, like, yeah. like I said, like, Upsets are going to happen in this tournament. We know this. And if it, this is one of those where if South Dakota State pulls the upset, all right, tip your hat and move to the next. Yeah. All right, other side of this region, Friday in Milwaukee. Six, number six seeded LSU without their head coach, Will Wade. He is gone. Against number 11, Iowa State. Iowa State started the year 12-0. They finished 8-12. Uh, spread on this one, despite LSU not having their head coach, is the Tigers by four. Yeah, <sighs> yeah this, is, this is a tough game because... What the hell is LSU going to look like with 
with uh, without Will Wade? What is this going to look well, like? And, and I'm interested in that, too, because, by the way, it is going to be Kevin Nickelberry, yes. who is the former head coach at Hampton and also at Howard University. He's been on the staff since 2019. It goes back to when Nickelberry was on the Clemson staff under Oliver Purnell, and Will Wade was a student manager on Clemson. So that's that relationship. But now it is going to be Nickelberry coaching the team. Now, I want to see how these players react, because probably, like, when you're an assistant coach, you basically have two to three responsibilities. Player development, maybe a little bit at X's and O's, but one of the major responsibilities and really the major responsibility of an assistant coach is get dudes. Yeah. And probably a lot of these dudes were brought in by Kevin Nickelberry. I don't know every single player and every single relationship and whatnot, but I think they might play hard. And look, LSU had this situation. I'm surprised you don't know every relationship, Wes, well, <laughs> based on your track record. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. LSU did have this uh, uh, situation, I believe, uh, a couple years ago where Will Wade first got suspended and there was an interim coach. It was a different interim coach. The name escapes me right now. But So LSU has kind of been in this situation. If you look at them just as a team, though, very good defensively. Number five in adjusted offensive efficiency. Number two in terms of forcing opponent turnovers by turnover percentage. They don't give you a lot of threes. They absolutely hound you. And they're getting an Iowa State team that, you know, did kind of fade down the stretch. Sure you did. mentioned that they were 12-0 and with really good wins. Xavier, Memphis, Creighton, Iowa. You know, three of the four were tournament teams. Xavier just kind of found their way out, beat Texas Tech. But this Iowa State team, it's basically a lot of transfers, too, yeah. because T.J. Otzelberger took over. He used to be an assistant there, came from UNLV to Iowa State and took over here. I think maybe on the motivation situation, I got to see if LSU, like what their mindset is, and that's where you got to kind of play psychologist along with the handicapper here. Is LSU interested? Are they going to play hard for Coach Nickelberry, you know, and win one? Because we see that sometimes in a bowl game when a coach leaves and then one of the coordinators or one of the position coaches or the interim coach, and it's kind of like 50-50 where it's like, okay, sometimes they check out, but sometimes they really want to play hard for that coach. So that's why I'm a little bit squeamish about going against LSU here. I totally get it. There's no play in this game. Yeah. I am advancing LSU in the bracket because I just think that even with the questions of what they're going to look talent like, should win out. the talent disparity yeah. is pretty significant here. I think you have to go that way. Winner of that game takes on the winner of the 314 game. Wisconsin out of the Big Ten reached 22 of their last, uh, of the last rather, 23 NCAA tournaments. And Colgate, Patriot League Conference Tournament champs who are 0-4 all-time, by the way, straight up uh, in the NCAAs. They started their season 4-10 before winning 19 of their last 20. This game is in Milwaukee with the Badgers favored by seven and a half. West. Yeah, and uh, look, uh, this has kind of been a little bit, I guess, of a uh, wise guy darling play, if you will, Yeah. with, with these two teams because uh, Colgate, I think, was getting nine, and now you're seeing them get seven and a half. If you recall, back in 2019, they were a 15 against a two, and they were right there with Tennessee. Depending on your number, they either did or didn't cover. I think it was right at the number, but Colgate led deep in that game and ended up losing by seven. So this is a team under this coach, Matt Langle, that has competed in this tournament and then all of a sudden you see a Wisconsin team I mentioned about Wisconsin being a little bit overrated you know in terms of uh, being the uh, lowest three seed in the 
in the Ken Palm at 34 overall. This is a team that's been kind of lucky. This has been a very Providence-like team that we just talked about a couple minutes ago. They end the season on a thud, losing at home to Nebraska and then losing to Michigan State. Johnny Davis did get hurt, to be fair, in that Nebraska game, but did come back and play, I believe, uh, 34 minutes against Michigan State in that Big Ten tournament game. Yeah, I lean Colgate here, but I'm worried that the value is being extracted. Yeah, I hear you. I, I think this is a bad matchup for Colgate. I, I, I really do. And look, Wisconsin was the three seed that I was ready to go fully, full-blown against. But I don't like the draw. I don't, I don't really like Colgate in yeah. this matchup. We kind of saw Colgate last year be popular against Arkansas. They lose that game. My memory serves me correct. They didn't cover either in that yeah, game. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't I, – well, not, nothing betting-wise. I'll advance Wisconsin uh, sheepishly in my uh, bracket because I, I just don't think Colgate is good well, enough to uh, really pull it up. Well, here's what will happen defensively, though. Wisconsin, I think, is going to let – allow Colgate to run what they want to run. Right. Now, can Colgate make shots? Because the best thing Wisconsin does is they don't turn the ball over on offense. So they're usually not a crew that beats themselves. But in terms of the metrics, they're just kind of like, yeah, they're okay. They're not bad. So – this is one I'm staying away from as of right now because I worry maybe the wise guys got in on Colgate and I'm never going to see those numbers again. You'd advance Wisconsin in your brackets. I would, too. yes. Yeah. All right, and the final two uh, brackets in this region, also on Friday, these in Greenville, South Carolina. Number seven, USC. The Trojans are one-and-a-half-point favorites against Jim Laranega's Hurricane uh, from the University of Miami. <sighs> Who do you advance here? Who's the kid on USC that we were talking about this morning with the funny hair? Uh, Drew Peterson. Drew Peterson, yeah. Uh, Unfortunate name for Drew Peterson. Yes. <laughs> uh, was uh, was uh, Drew Peterson uh, given a uh, a promotion on Visa and an ad for his uh, college handicapping ability? Oh, man. But uh, for, for, for USC-Miami, yeah. USC is much better than Miami. But this is one of those where every time I watch USC, and I know Andy Enfield. You expect more, don't you? Uh, yeah, I, I, Andy I Enfield's a good, good recruiter. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously got a Florida they, Gulf Coast to a sweet they got two NBA, potential yeah. NBA players with Isaiah Mobley and Boogie Ellis. Yeah, I, look, I, uh, I, I, I think USC is just a much better team. I, I'm going to advance USC. I'm not going to bet this game, though, Wes. Yeah, I'm a same, same here. USC is always one of those teams that, like, leave you wanting more. Yes. It, and, and I even tweeted it. I was like, how is this team this? record and their current record now being 26 and 7 but I think I was like how is this team 24 and 5 and I had no idea so you're both advancing USA yes. but no bets but correct. but not with a ton of confidence not with a ton of confidence. correct same okay. same deal for me and the winner of that takes on uh, the Auburn Jacksonville State winner uh, Auburn as we mentioned just on the outside looking into the championship formula Jabari Smith projected number two pick in the draft uh, behind Chet Holmgren at Gonzaga Auburn is the number is, is the number five overall seed, which means there's the uh, they're the top number two in this tournament. They're taking on Jacksonville State, who didn't even win. Remember the Atlantic Sun Conference yeah. tournament? Bellarmine did, but they were ineligible because of that ridiculous rule that the NCAA has that when you transfer, it was just even the right word. But when you go up from D two to D one, apparently you have to wait four years, mm -hmm. which Nonsense. is ridiculous. So Jacksonville State, who didn't even make the final, right, got beat by Jacksonville. They won the regular season in the A-Sun, so they are Auburn's opponent. Anyway, that's a long-winded way of saying we're all advancing Auburn. 
aren't I we? Do, I may end up taking Jacksonville State in the points. 15 and a half. Yeah, I want to see if I can get a little bit more. Um, this is kind of a tough matchup for them. Even though Ray Harper is a really good coach and a really good game planner, can scheme up a lot of zones. But this is an Auburn team. If they get turnovers, that's how they really score is they get turnovers. And if they gamble on steals, they have the two shot blockers down low that can uh, go ahead and erase your offense. But Jacksonville State, for kind of that reason, I was like, that was the team I was really looking to bet. I was kind of hoping they got a better matchup, though, because people are going to be, they win their conference tournament. What the hell are they doing in this field? Yeah. So that was kind of like that motivational thing. But uh, Auburn, I don't think, is the best schematic matchup for them. Yeah, Auburn advances. And on sheer principle of not winning your conference tournament, Jacksonville State should have been in Dayton. I don't care that they, uh, yeah, pro they profile out to be probably realistically a 15. But on sheer principle, the committee should have put them in Dayton. All right, final region. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The East, which takes on the West region in the national semis, I believe. Correct. Uh, Thursday, number one, Baylor against number 16, Norfolk State, the uh, Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference champ. Uh, we're all advancing Baylor here. But as you said uh, earlier, uh, Wes, Baylor trying to become the first repeat champion, first repeat national champion since Florida did it in 2006 and 2007. Baylor started the year 15-0. and uh, They ended up the year 11-6 and down the stretch. This game's in Fort Worth. We're all advancing Baylor. Uh, but the number on this game is uh, Baylor by Baylor by. Oops, wrong region. Pardon me. Pardon me. Where did I go? I don't know. What's Baylor? Baylor what is currently 20? about 21. 21. Oh, they, they've been bet a little bit. What are you then? doing with that? Wes, at 20 when it opened, I like Baylor. Yeah. Starting it a little tougher, 21. Probably would still lay with Baylor. Uh, Nor Norfolk State is probably a better MEAC team than usual. Yeah. That's in, that, that, that's in, that's in the uh, and the, And they've the got field. three senior starters. Yeah. And, and I, they've really been kind of the class of this conference here over the last several years under the head coach, Robert Jones. But... Man, I, I, I don't know how they can. I, I also can't look at uh, uh, anything Spart Spartans related uh, with uh, 
without the black and gold glasses. Because remember, stuff. remember, this team did get beat by Gonzaga last year by 43. Yeah, it was now a, Baylor is not as much of an up tempo team as Gonzaga is. It, it, it was a competitive 43 yeah. last year, though, Wes. Yeah. But uh, but again, uh, anytime I, I, I see this logo, I see this team. I think of 2012, the disaster in Omaha for my alma mater, where where of course we saw Norfolk uh, beat Mizzou. And then four hours later, Lehigh beat Duke at 215s yep. advanced in one day. What a day that was. Uh, winner of that takes on the winner of the 8-9. These games are in Fort Worth, Texas on Thursday. North Carolina, the Tar Heels at 8, tied for their lowest seat ever, by the way, in an NCAA tournament, taking on number 9 seeded Marquette uh, with the Carolina Tar Heels three-point favorites. Back-to-back -back years is an 8 seed for North Carolina yeah. as well. Uh, Wes, I have no feel for this game. I advanced Marquette in my bracket because I trust Shaka Smart more than I trust Hubert Davis. Right. But uh, this is this is this is a matchup where it's like, really, we're going to have one of these two teams in the round of 32. So uh, I, I advanced Marquette, but no confidence there. But they're both. I mean, they both have some athleticism. Of Actually, course. Marquette might be the more athletic team if if you really want to look at it. They're up tempo. Shaka, I think. Marquette's kind of the right fit for Shaka Smart. You know, he can run that havoc and get those, you know, multiple position type havoc. wings with, with long arms, you know, the same thing he did at VCU. But this is a Marquette team that's been fairly erratic over the last month and a half. They were 15 and 6, lose one, win one, lose two, win one, win, you know, lose one, win two. I mean, that's basically, they haven't really had a rhythm. They were out in their first game in the Big East tournament, 74 to 63. North Carolina won their first game in the ACC tournament, and then Virginia Tech got them and really beat them pretty easily on Friday night in the ACC tournament. So, Tech, who needed a buzzer beater yeah, in their first yeah, ACC yeah, tournament. Yeah, and they put away North Carolina because yeah. I don't know if North Carolina was still a little bit, you know, having the uh, – the fat and happy, if you will, over beating Duke, and they did win their last five regular season games. This is a North Carolina team that can make threes, but what I always worry about with Carolina, even with Hubert Davis taking over, of course, uh, Roy Williams' assistant, their defense really can come and go. When they're interested in playing defense, they've shown the ability to play good defense, but they don't do it night after night. Okay. Winner, uh, no, we go to the next one here. 5-12, St. Mary's. Oh, we don't have a number here because the uh, Wyoming-Indiana is on the 12 line. Wyoming, their last turning win in back in, all the way back in 2002 for the Cowboys. Indiana, as Wes, you painfully know, your Hoosiers. First NCAA tournament since 2016. This game in Portland. Um... Would you advance Indiana past St. Mary's? I actually would, and this is not a homer play here. I think Indiana absolutely can go out and beat St. Mary's. Now, tough, I mean, tough scheduling, too, because you got to play Tuesday night in Dayton, and then you have to go, all these Dayton teams have to go west. They either have yeah. to go to San Diego yeah. or they have to go to Portland. So that's not the best scheduling spot, but can Mike Woodson and the coaching staff at Indiana kind of motivate them like, hey, look, this is an opportunity. We got to play this first one game in Dayton, but this is an opportunity to tell the world, hey, Indiana basketball is on its way back, so that's the way I looked at it. And then, you know, if they win going out to St. Mary's, you mentioned earlier, those teams that win the first four in Dayton, and, and I think Shouldn't it bears yeah, it bears logic too because they often wins NCAA tournament games because number one, they felt that pressure. Yes. Because I know it's in Dayton and it's like, oh, we're not really in the tournament, but you really are because they count them as official tournament wins. So you've dealt with that pressure where it's like if we lose, we're out. Right. Our season's over. And the team that you play on a Thursday or a Friday 
hasn't had that yet. So that's why you see these teams like the VCUs, like the Syracuse was in that situation. Year after year, there's always one team seemingly most years that advance out of this first four. It's never the 16s, obviously. <laughs> so it's got to be the 11. So, you know, more than likely, one of those four teams, Wyoming, Indiana, Notre Dame, or Rutgers, are going to advance into the second round and pull an upset in the first round. And so I think it's Indiana. Indiana, past St. Mary's, but not Wyoming, past St. Mary's. Uh... Maybe they they're kind of a they're kind of similar a okay. little bit, but I think St. Mary's defense can really shut down Wyoming. It's kind of like their post up game, and I think Indiana is going to do the same. By the way, I am glad that we know. Remember that little period of time where we called the first four the first round, and then yeah. the, the first <laughs> the round opening, the second round, the opening round. Yeah, they've changed it. The oh, opening thank round. God. They they always are changing things, and yeah. it's like the NCAA tournament is idiot proof. <laughs> Why do you switch right. it? Remember the one year where they announced teams on the selection show in alphabetical order? Oh, that was just like two, three years ago. Yeah. That was the most ridiculous you, thing ever. Why are you changing? It's one of the best events in all of American sports. And it worked. Even, even when they try to screw it up, and look, I don't like these first four games. I don't like a field of 68. I'd rather it be 64, even though my alma mater would be playing in the NIT mm -hmm. if it wasn't, if it was 64. But, you know, they keep, like, trying to mess with that. I'm like, you, find, you found a happy medium why mess with it it's amazing anything here for what it's worth i think this is the best team randy bennett has ever had in st mary's it's I, their I, highest seed ever. yeah I, I i don't even think it's close i think this team is better than the del vadova samhan team that made the sweet 16 uh god that was over a decade ago well, now they've, uh, they've, but, they've got a, a good point guard he's he, looks, he yeah. looks yeah he looks yeah. like he's about 35 years <laughs> old though and uh you know has less hair than i do uh, so but he, I mean, this is a good team, and they did beat Gonzaga, so that shows on any given night they can really beat anybody, but they don't turn the ball over. This is not, this is an okay three-point shooting team. They've had better shooting teams at St. Mary's, but this is a team that doesn't give up a lot of threes, that forces you into a lot of iso ball, so they are dangerous, but I am advancing Indiana. St. Mary's would, would handle Wyoming pretty easily if that's the matchup. It would be a close game against Indiana, but yeah. I still would advance St. Mary's over IU. It would be close, though. West Coast Conference was no joke this year. Now the WC, look, the, yeah. WC, the WCC and BYU didn't bite it late in the year. They would yeah. have gotten four teams. Mm -hmm. Look out for Pepperdine in the years to come. Three freshmen, all freshman guards there on uh, Pepperdine on the waves. Winner of uh, St. Mary's, uh, Wyoming, Indiana, if you will, winner. We'll take on uh, the UCLA Akron winner, number four seeded Bruins, who got all the way from the first four to the final four last year. 11 national titles, of course, the most all-time, looking for their 12th. Uh, against number 13 Akron, the Zips, who won the MAC, uh, the MAC Conference Tourney, uh, who are 0-4 all-time, by the way, in NCAAs. This game in Portland, both of these games will be in Portland. Um, who got there in part in help, or they were aided anyway, by Kent State having four of their players suspended for yeah. the first half of the MAC championship game, one of whom was a pretty key contributor for making a video the night before the championship, which uh, went after Ali Ali, by the way, on Akron specifically. But uh, it was a very aggressive video, yeah. let's yeah. put it that way. And the MAC uh, conference uh, decided... Yeah, we're going to have to punish you. Did you think that was okay, Wes, that they did that, that they took them out for a half? No, I think it was fine. I think you want to, I mean, you want to promote sportsmanship and yeah. whatnot. I mean, it seems like a light bid, but, you know, these kids need to stay off social media they first do. And, and foremost. And I will say this. I mean, and again, I feel I feel like I'm a thousand years old saying it also. That was a pretty aggressive video. Yeah. 
Yeah, this wasn't like being funny or doing some no. little cheesy TikTok video or something. I yeah. just, uh, but anyway, to the uh, matchup with the zips, I yeah. asked her for Adidas and she bought me zips. <laughs> and uh, UCLA by Gil, Gil got that immediately. <laughs> Favored by 14, no, 13 and a half, let's call it. Yeah, and, and I did take Akron, by the way, at 15 last night. The 15s disappeared. Uh, Akron's on a roll right now, 16-9. and nine. They've won eight in a row, uh, won their last five regular season, beat Buffalo in a high-leverage game, beat the number one seed Toledo. And then, of course, Kent State, they got they got out up on them and uh, didn't go away. Uh, Ali Ali was very good. So was Xavier Castaneda. Uh, for this team. So they're very well coached. John Groats has been to the NCAA tournament before, of course, was a former coach at Illinois, took them to the tournament once, has taken Akron uh, two of the last three years. They would have been in, but but obviously 2020 got canceled, took Ohio twice, took Ohio to the Sweet 16 back in 2012. So not a real greenhorn here. Him and Cronin know each other. Cronin was at Cincinnati for all those years, so I think they're very familiar. Akron is a team that you know, defensively, they're going to shoot a lot of threes and they're going to slow it down, but they're going to play really good defense here. And I thought this was a little bit high for UCLA. I wonder about UCLA, too, coming off a tough loss to Arizona in the Pac-12 championship game where, you know, that was a really good atmosphere, too, at the D-Mobile Arena on that game. And it was a really well-played game with two very good teams. So UCLA doesn't get Arizona. They lose by eight. So I wonder if there's a little bit of a hangover here where they beat Akron, but they don't really get too far away from them. Mm. Well, according to the championship formula here, Wes, it begs to differ with. You. I know it does. Yeah. I know it, it does. It, it By the way, parents just uh, parents don't the parents just don't understand. Yes, or it was the reference, right? Yes, from DJ Jazzy Jeff. I uh, what you know about that, Jeffrey? <laughs> Less than you two guys. Yes. Uh, this feels like a lot of points to be getting yeah. with Akron, and, and the MAC was a pretty reasonable league this reasonable. year. Yeah. There were five teams that, if you put them in the tournament, you'd say, "All right, you know what? They should be able to hang in against yeah. the four seed." And Akron is—it was one of those teams. By the way, John Gross back in the tournament as well, who seemingly only succeeds in the MAC and doesn't succeed anywhere else. Right. But regardless, uh, I think it's just too many points. I'll probably end up betting Akron. I know it's already been hammered down a few points, but uh, UCLA advances. And if it's UCLA St. Mary's, that is a really difficult draw for UCLA in the round of 32, where they also, one little thing for bracketing that I was a little surprised at, UCLA, last time I checked, very close to San Diego, mm -hmm. and the committee moved Texas Tech out to San Diego right. and shipped UCLA up to Portland. That is a little bit of an easier flight for the folks from uh, the Bay Area to yeah. Portland as opposed to the folks from UCLA who are probably more likely to get in so, get in the car or get in the train down so to San they Diego. Did, they didn't quite do like a women's draw thing where NC State's the number one seed, but if it went to form, they would have to go against number two UConn yeah, in Bridgeport, Bridgeport very Connecticut. Fair, right. Very fair. Yeah, very yeah. Fair. NC, <laughs> NC State, and by the way, my alma mater in that draw too, so it's like, okay, you beat Kentucky, then you got to play UConn in Whoa. the state of Connecticut. That so. was the first thing nice. they noted on that, but they're like, oh, look, UConn's a number two seed. Yeah, but they play in Bridgeport. Exactly. Yeah. Game. Exactly. Because yeah. that was the first thing Rebecca Lobo, former UConn player, was yeah. pointing out. And it was like, I'm interested to see if they're in Bridgeport. Well, they're in there anyway just because they're not a number one seed. And, and now they're getting healthy, of course, because Paige Buckets is back. But I digress. Paige Buckets. All right. Final four games here. Well, let's get through these. And then I have a final question to ask you guys. Uh, the final. Uh, we'll get to the Elite Eight, final four, two and one. Uh, Friday in this region. This is in Milwaukee now. Number six, Texas, who have... Uh, 
Four straight years now, lost in the round of 64, though Chris Beard had nothing to do with any of those. Uh, taking on the Hokies of Virginia Tech, the ACC Conference Tournament champions. What a run by Va Tech in that conference tournament. Uh, fifth straight NCAA appearance for the Hokies, but the Longhorns are favored by a point, point and a half. This is one of the toughest games of the whole bracket yeah, for me is. because Virginia Tech's playing well. They shoot threes well when they're on. Mike White is a, or excuse me, not uh, Mike, Mike Young. Mike Young. Mike White, of course, now at Georgia. Mike Young was great at Wofford and has done a really nice job at Virginia Tech so far since coming over. Uh, Texas's roster construction has made no sense the whole yeah. year. And they're very talented, but the way that Beard put it together made no sense. I advanced Virginia Tech in my bracket with no confidence. With that said, if Texas wins this game, they do, even with the confusing construction of the roster, they have the pieces to absolutely knock out Purdue in the yeah, round of 32. And, and, and one thing about Texas, they've got five senior starters. Not all the seniors have played at University of Texas, but they all got NCAA tournament experience. And look, I understand the logic with Virginia Tech, but I'm always wary, guys, of that hot team that catches fire in the, in the conference tournament. Look, I thought Virginia Tech... They actually were a disappointment to me, quite frankly, in the regular season. Then they got hot. So it's like, is that the team they are, the team they were for four days, or the team they were for four months? And I kind of maybe lean to a little bit the four months, or I'm at least somewhere in between those two extremes. Texas did not finish well. Chris Beard uh, called his team out at the end. I think that they're going to be a popular team to fade, but I am not necessarily going to fade them this year. I'm going to reluctantly advance Texas in the bracket. I don't know yet if I'm going to bet them, but... I don't like to bet these hot teams in yeah. the conference tournament because I often think, you know, you get and you just kind of hit a wall, and maybe Texas is that wall. And I also that. think Virginia Tech is going to be very popular on their ACC run. Yes. People are going to play them. Yes. They're upset rewarded. And then Chris Beard, I trust. Yeah. I think. You advancing Texas as well? I'm advancing Virginia Tech. Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and as you alluded to, the winner takes on the Purdue Yale three fourteen matchup. Purdue, of course, uh, top four seed now for a fifth straight NCAA tournament. Wow, I don't think I knew that. Um, the num the the eleventh overall seed in this tournament against Yale from the Ivy League, the uh, four team Ivy League tournament. Yale emerges victorious by a hair. They're one and six all time in the NCAA tournament. This is in Milwaukee as well. With Purdue favored by 16. That's way too many. 15 and a half, right? Too many. Yale kind of sucks, though, this year. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 the one thing. Who was thing. the kid that played for Yale a few years ago? Uh, that was excellent. Uh, Oney. 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 Oney, who's now on the – who was with the Utah Jazz. I don't know if yeah. he's still there or not. But I, this was one of those for the Ivy League where if they had just gone with the old full format and didn't have the nonsense of the conference tournament – they would have been much better off with Princeton in the field. Even though uh, Princeton yeah. doesn't play a lick of defense, yeah. they at least are really efficient offensively and could have stayed in the game as a 13 seed. I, I, I don't think Yale's any good. Okay. And, and, and look, Purdue scares me because they're horrible defensively. But this feels like one of those where coming off the loss in the Big Ten title game, they lose Indianapolis yeah. in the process as well and have to go a little bit further up to Milwaukee. I, I think, if anything, I'm not going to bet it. If anything, it's a Purdue route more than Yale being able to stay And in. I believe it is going to be a Purdue route, and I'm going to bet it accordingly, even oh, though wow. okay. Purdue has not covered a game since February 8th. <laughs> so if you look yeah. at, at how they have been down the stretch, and I'm going to count here, 0-10-1 against <laughs> the number. And I'm going to tell you, though, bettors, especially casual bettors, 
that maybe don't bet this all season. Maybe they're not knee deep in the weeds and the metrics yeah. and, you know, looking at the Don Best screen at the market and seeing what the line moves are. Betters will look at that and say, this team hasn't covered a game in over a month. I'm betting against this team, but I think this might be a point for Purdue where they can take somebody to slam town a little bit. And plus, this is a Purdue team, recall, that got beat in the first round by North Texas last year. So when you get beat that year before, that haunts you. And Jeff is right about their flaws a little bit in terms of especially like their, you know, defense against ball screens. Like Sasha Stavanovic and Eric Hunter Jr. cannot guard. Correct. But the trade-off is they're both very good three-point shooters. So you got to have them off the floor, on the floor. This is a team that has a lottery pick in Jaden Ivey. They can kind of really do it all as long as he stays, you know, under control and not play cool what do they say cool is for the club and sometimes Jay Nivey's a little bit too casual I think with the basketball and it's just like dude just get mad and you can like own everybody you play against and then Purdue has the two big guys down low Zach Eady and Travion Williams so that makes him a tough matchup Uh, this is not a line I don't think you're going to see Purdue get bet I think it's going to be like right around 15 15 and a half anything Yale's going to get the action I think Purdue lays out. Sounds like you two thinks this is that you two think this is one of the bigger blowouts of round one. I do. Yeah, yeah I, I, I do. Yeah. And it's more, it more has to do with, I just think this Yale team is yeah. pretty bad, bad more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And Purdue's still number one in the nation in adjusted offensive efficiency. Now the defense is going to be a little bit of a problem. And you could tell, Purdue's always been more of a defensive team than big, an offensive team. The Big Ten, I was noting this to Jeff yeah. a, couple, a couple weeks ago. You would think of that conference as the better defensive conference, but a lot of those teams suck on defense. They're They're all terrible on defense. And and I want to bring up a macro point before he gets to the next game about the Big Ten, why they have not been successful in the NCAA tournament. I think Michigan State, what was it, 0-1, the last Big Ten champion to uh, cut down the nets and win an NCAA championship. The Big Ten, if you watch that conference uh, closely, it's officiated differently. And... The games in that conference, and there's been a lot of complaints now about the Big Ten that it's becoming tackle basketball. Yeah, it is tackle and basketball. And that's not going to be officiated the same in the NCAA tournament. And you're not going to get crews from the same conference either. So you're going to get maybe a Mountain West guy with a Big 12 guy. You're not going to get like an all Big Ten crew. And I think it's been tough for these Big Ten teams to adjust in terms of how this tournament is called in March Madness, whether than in their conference play or conference tournament. And it is hurting some of these Big Ten teams in recruiting. I don't think they have a McDonald's All-American sign for next year's class. Interesting. All right, final two then. This is on Thursday in Indianapolis. Ugh. I hate you, committee. Yeah, this one sucks. Yeah, what a horrible thing yeah. to do. Yeah. Number seven, Murray State. The <laughs> Racers, who are 30-2 and two on the season, the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament champs. Never been to the Sweet 16, by the way. Uh, they get paired up with USF, with San Francisco as the number 10 seed, which is really cruel that one of these has to get knocked out. Uh, this is their first NCAA appearance for the Dons since 1998. Uh, and I always say the sleeping giant sitting in the middle of San Francisco. Why they're not a powerhouse, I don't know. Uh, but Murray State, a one or one and a half point favorite. What do you all, do? All the committee had to do was flip either USC and Murray or Miami yeah. and San Francisco. And you really could have actually had both of these teams that I actually really like going through. Uh, Wes, I, I, if Murray State was in a different pod, I'd really be looking at putting them in the Sweet yeah. 16. This team is that good. 
and it really just poor draw for the Dons. If yeah. they had drawn basically any other seven, I would say, you know what, they're probably going to win the game. But because they draw Murray State, who is honestly an elite offensive team, really well coached with McMahon, mm -hmm. uh, they have they have high, they have power five talent on that team. Uh, Murray State advances, and uh, just again, just a really yeah. crappy draw for the Dons, who deserved better than getting the best mid-major in the country. Who do you basically. advance in your bracket? Oh, I have Murray. Murray I, 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 yeah, I, I'm going to yeah. bet Murray, too. Okay. If if I knew that there was one tweet coming from Allen Boston, it was going to be about this <laughs> game because he says it every year how the committee intentionally screws, you know, the mid-majors and puts them against each other in an 8-9 or a 7-10, you know. Like, one year, remember uh, the Alley for Rokmanesh year at Northern Iowa? Yes. It was Northern Iowa against UNLV in the first round, and every Every year, like clockwork, Allen Boston's coming out, you know, because he advocates for the little guy and, you know, thinks that all the coaches in, like, the major conferences are bad. I disagree with that. But always who he says the best coaches are, like, in the mid-majors. But nevertheless, you have two very good ones here with San Francisco and Murray State. Man, this is, this is a really tough one because I like both of these teams. Uh, I'm going to advance probably Murray in the bracket, but uh, what I'd be looking at, I think this is going to be a tight game throughout, and I think it's going to slow. Like when you get a really tight game that's only a one or two position game, possession game, it slows down at the end, you know, and you get longer possessions, and you're going to see that a lot in the NCAA tournament for you live betters out there. Unless it's in like that foul fest range, if it's a one or two possession game, you're going to see them start to work the entire shot clock, oh, yeah. and you're going to see these totals that you think you've got the over, and you think you're on pace, and you're going to see them start to die at the end. Yeah. And this is one that I could see happening here. Yeah, I. 100% agree. 100%. Who are you agree. advancing here, though? In the I'm advancing Murray. Murray. Okay. And but then, it is a literal coin flip game. Yeah. Good uh, teams. It's a great, They're really good teams. Yeah. It's a great point on, on the uh, on the pacing there at the end of the game. Uh, they'll take out. They'll take on rather. By the way, Alan Boston texted me just at the beginning of this podcast saying he hasn't made any bets yet. Yeah. Hasn't made any huh. bets. Uh, winner of Murray State San Francisco takes on the winner of Kentucky St. Peter's. It's a 215 game. Uh, I think we're all advancing Kentucky in their 59th. NCAA appearance. Is that good? 59? Yeah, it's very good. And Kentucky is one of the few teams I do have futures on. I took them 16 to 1 back in December. However, good number. Yeah, little note on St. Peter's, though. For a 15 seed, if you really look at them and their profile, this is one of, this is a really good defensive team for a 15 seed that I don't know if Kentucky's going to overwhelm. St. Peter's coached by the former Seton Hall star, Shaheen Holloway. Ah. 34th nationally in adjusted defensive efficiency, 6th in effective field goal percentage. Now, granted, they do not play a team like Kentucky every night, and that's why that's Kentucky's right. going to be able to get away from them. But uh, if I were looking at this, because one thing about Cal's teams, they've always defended. And... You're seeing a movement to the under, and I'm probably going to bet this later today so I can get at least somewhat of a good number. I like the under here, St. Peter's, Kentucky at 132.5. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm in agreement there uh, as well. Uh, I will say this. The best teams that St. Peter's has played this year, they played VCU tough to begin the year to lost by three. They got destroyed by St. John's. They got pretty well handled by Providence. 
and the two games against Iona, they lost by single digits. <laughs> so, so, so I, not I, good. I, I would not want to. I would not, so I would, no, don't take them. No, but. I would just. I would look to play under. I would look to play team total under as well yeah. on St. Peter's. I don't know how the hell they scored. But, it, game, but you're not touching the eight. Well, yeah, it's there. probably like they never challenge, but they never totally get run out. They it, keep it yeah. relatively it's, respectable. It's one of the, it's one. It's not going to be like the Abilene Christian game a few years ago where uh, Kentucky beat them by a billion. Yeah, It'd probably be like something that's like a 23 point margin, but it feels like. If yeah. you're at St. Peter's, like, yeah. oh, we probably should have covered that, but not good enough offensively. St. Peter's, the Metro Atlantic Conference Tournament champions with their, works cu- with their work cut out for them. All right, we did it. We did. We, we did every single game. <laughs> uh, love you guys for that. So rapid fire to close this out because one of us has to get a haircut. And he has an appointment. Uh, so Well, you, we know it's not me. <laughs> so double, du- uh, real quick, double-digit seed most likely to get to the Sweet 16 is... This is going to be a total homer. I'm going to He's hear about it. this I on social it. media. He's doing it. I think the Indiana Hoosiers yes, are yes. going to the Sweet 16. There it is. Yes, there it is. They, uh, and they've got to win three games to get yes, to the Sweet they do. 16. They, uh, well, I'll say this. They're coming from the same pod. Whoever wins the UAB Chattanooga second round matchup that I have in the uh, in the South a region. 13-12. 13-12. I have Chattanooga in my bracket in the Sweet 16. Wouldn't shock me if UAB's there instead. Okay. Yep. I also do have UAB. All right, there we go. Wes, your Elite Eight. Oh, gosh. Let Sorry. me go through this. Jeff, uh, Jeff first, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, yeah. I'll give you yeah. a second here. Right. The Elite Eight. Give me your, while you're at it, give me I haven't, eight, filled, four, two, I haven't actually filled out the bracket. I'm going to do that on Tuesday. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll go 8-4-2-1. Uh, eight, eight, four, four, yeah, we'll okay, so the West will go top, top to bottom and then move to the other side. Top left, West region. Gonzaga beats Texas Tech to get back to the Final Four yet again. Uh, in the East, Kentucky beats UCLA. To get back to the final four. Top right, Arizona over Villanova. So chalk there, one over Chalky two. Chalk. And then uh, Auburn over Kansas Ooh. in the Midwest. Bruce to Pearl, put Bruce baby. Pearl back into the final four. Leaflet. I have Arizona beating Auburn on the right side. I have Kentucky beating Gonzaga in the other what national final semifinal. Rematch me, of the 97 yep, final. And we have the same champion as Arizona. 97. I am going against the formula. Will it also go to overtime? I have no idea. Arizona wins the national championship. Okay, in the West region, I'm going to go Elite Eight, Gonzaga at the top. I'll go Texas Tech at the bottom as well. Gonzaga advances. In the East region, uh, I'm going to go ahead and maybe advance them another round. I'm going to say Kentucky over Indiana in the Elite Eight. (laughs) Yes. I knew they were. Where Indiana is either going to get Purdue or Kentucky on the other side. And so I'm going to advance Kentucky out of the east. And then in the west region, or the south region, rather, I'm going to say Tennessee over Arizona in the final. And then in the Midwest region, I mean, it never works out this way, guys. We're the easiest region. It, something always happens, so I'm reluctantly doing this. But I'm going to say I just don't see anybody that's going to stop Kansas here. So I'm going to say uh, Kansas over USC, who I besmirched earlier in this podcast. But I just think that they have the matchup. Maybe the draw breaks their way. Kansas over USC in the Elite Eight. So Final Four is going to be Gonzaga against Kentucky. Kentucky, and then Tennessee against uh, Kansas. Kansas, and I'm going to say it is going to be Kansas against Kentucky, and I like Kentucky. Wow. 
So Kentucky and Arizona. Yeah. So you spit on the championship formula of the both of you. Unless well, Kentucky well, gets Kentucky there. Well, Kentucky can play Kentucky, their, can Kentucky there. can play their ways yeah. in, and I probably I think they will play their way yeah. in after St. Peter scores 39 points against yes. them in the first round. That's right. Uh, in a 67 possession game, but Arizona look, would bucket with Tommy. Yeah, Blair. look, well, Arizona yeah. would be there on every other criteria, but the head coach, and I will Barely say, on strength I, I will yes. say this: if Arizona wins the title in year one with Tommy Lloyd and yeah. Gonzaga is still sitting there with no titles. That is <laughs> that is one hell of a situation uh, for Mark Few. Who, that would be. Clear yeah. Hall of Famer, but seeing his top assistant go right away and winning a title in year one, that would be a that tough would be a situation. Yes, that would be a situation. By the way, I, I am singularly obsessed with survivor pools during NCAA tournament. So while it matters who my uh, final four and two will be, it's, for me it's more strategic because it's upset rewarded early and I've got to figure out again with survivor pools which I think is the best betting vehicle possible calendar year so much fun for the three weeks of this tournament figuring out not only who to advance that you don't get to use again but also simultaneously saving the teams for late that you think will still be around in the elite eight the final four in the championship game and of course the championship itself champion team I should say itself uh, that's the whole key it's three-dimensional chess so you got to you got to figure out both ends of it at the same time. Wes Reynolds, Jeff Parlay. This was a lot of fun. It's awesome. Yep. What I, I, you're the two guys I, I most wanted to do this with. I really appreciate it. That was great, both from a bracket perspective and ATS. Uh, good luck filling them out and betting this from all of us. Gil Alexander, Beating the Book Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.